that was the terrifying thing about just fashion back then is that you didn't know what was going to trigger a, a revolution oh, in no. your identity. You had to play it so safe. There was so much anxiety in a purchase where you were like, oh, God, am I going to get crushed for this? Oh, I just, I would just see what my, like, the kids in my high school wore that were, like, you know, wealthy and, like, got the girls. And <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I, I have to follow that lead. And so they'd be right, like, I'll get a pair of Sebagos. All right, I'm going to, I'll, I'll get a Claiborne shirt or a Claiborne shirt from Kaufman's if that's what it's going to take. <laughs> See, I was not locked into any personality in high school. I was, I was doing a lot of uh, sample testing, so I would show up like every week, like I was a different like ninja turtle. I'd be like, "This is Kawabunga Jeff. Oh, he's a surfer now. And, oh, here's beach volleyball Jeff. Here's skateboarder Jeff. Anybody buying any of this stuff right now?" Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's six o'clock at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Center 11. It's 66 degrees. At DVEM Val Porter. Bill Cosby might not get out of prison before he's 90. The man once known as America's dad was sentenced yesterday to three to ten years in state prison. The 81-year-old Cosby was sentenced in a suburban Philly courtroom for drugging and sexually assaulting former Temple University athletic staffer Andrea Constand at his home in 2004. He was also ordered to pay a $25,000 fine and cost to the prosecution team. TMZ also reports he owes his own defense team over 280 grand. Cosby looked straight ahead with no expression as he was escorted out of the courtroom in handcuffs. Is, is anybody else shocked that he's actually in prison? Yes. Dude, mm-hmm. I read it last night and like something yeah, like hit me about I saw the mugshot about it and not that the whole thing wasn't a huge bummer to begin with, but that like the finality of it, I was like, dang, like that that was a weird, terrible journey. No doubt about it. I mean very odd ending to the Cosby show. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the next episode of Fat Albert is going to be dark. There's <laughs> there's no other way to look at it. But I just I, picture him like doing that waddle into the like <laughs> instead of the perp walk, he does that dance he does in the intro. He's probably annoying the hell out of his cellmate right, right now. You see, the thing you need to do with the toilet is when you're done with it, you got to clean up. You, you got to wipe the front to the back. The MS-13 yeah. gang members need to pull up the pants. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the thing. What if he becomes like some like gangland guy in there? He's like running his own gang. It's very the possible. Right? Hey. with the face tattoos on the cheeks <laughs> and the hands. The next time you see him, he's got the teardrop tattoo. <laughs> New regulations for automatic sprinkler (laughs) systems in all high-rise buildings have been introduced to city council. The proposed regulation stems from a Midtown Towers fire downtown that killed a 75-year-old woman in May of last year. That legislation would give property owners 12 years to install the systems in any building six stories or higher. There is a growing health trend out there that involves people giving themselves electrical shocks to the brain to boost creativity. <laughs> and researchers say the shock therapy called transcranial electrical stimulation actually works. It's researchers, it's researchers from the Transcranial Electric Activity <laughs> Institute who also happen to sell transcranial electric activity units. We're on Groupon, guys. The yeah. trick is to use very low power current, even though it's legit. There's a problem, though. Experts are worried about people building their own machines. 
and giving themselves this <laughs> electrical stimulation with gadgets they buy online or make at home. Scientists have seen enough students doing it and even parents doing it to their kids that they did come out with an official report warning everyone of the dangers of homemade electrical stimulation hey. machines. Hey, honey, when I say go, you fire up the Toyota Corolla. I got my jumper cables on my earlobe and my teeth. I say go for it. Anybody that wants to do this, I am all in favor of them blowing their own brain up. This was like this, the people, the researchers who said that it might be a good thing or a bunch of people who said, hey, what do you say we let these guys just sort of thin out the herd a little bit here? Uh, they're not really doing a whole lot else for us right now. Is there like some epidemic dearth of creativity because people are shocking themselves people are taking like small amounts of acid now to microdose to increase their creativity yeah. judging from netflix yes. i think we've got too much cre- creativity if there's too much out there up, i'd be all for it i'd love like to if see it would you give take me acid. Acid. Energy the day. if you want i can just bring my taser in i could just give you a zolt <laughs> right right before you start the news how long before there's an app on your phone that actually sends shock waves into your brain where you can just like put it on your temple while you're talking to somebody anyways hold on a second it probably is already doing that i mean we just can't right. feel it don't you feel like phantom rings on your thigh throughout the day all yeah. the time <laughs> all the yeah. time and then that is the weirdest sensation and then your phone is like on the counter. Yeah. And then you clutch your thigh like you're missing your baby. Or <laughs> I'm coming. Daddy's coming. Yes. Should a man be deprived of sexy time just because he's down on his luck? There's a strip club in Dayton called Sharky's Lounge, but it just lost its liquor license because police found out they were letting guys pay for lap dances with food stamps. Oh. Undercover police set up a sting last year, and over the course of five months, they were able to use food stamps to pay for lap dances and buy illegal drugs. Employees at the club accepted $2,400 worth of food stamps in exchange for sexual services, also drugs including heroin, fentanyl, coke, and meth. Reports indicate they will be allowed to stay open. They just can't serve booze. They lost their (laughs) liquor license. Uh, several employees are facing charges as well. Come here, honey. Let me swipe my access card. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> a new documentary film called Echo in the Canyon details how the folk rock Insert movement the chip. <laughs> uh, helped make L.A. the center of the recording world in the late 60s and 70s. Michelle Phillips, Brian Wilson, Graham Nash, Stephen Stills, Jackson Brown, Ringo Starr, John Sebastian, and Eric Clapton offer eyewitness accounts to the history made in the Laurel Canyon neighborhood of L.A. They are combined with archival clips, photos, and footage from a 2015 tribute concert. Set to open the L.A. Film Festival, director Andrew Slater's project focuses on how the birds, the mamas and the papas, and Buffalo Springfield changed the sound of rock and roll. Yeah, that's always a... Uh, an underdocumented point in rock and roll. You always hear about the valley and stuff, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of like film footage. That's like, true. People hanging out. Isn't that where the Eagles lived? Like Laurel Canyon, Crosby, Stills, Nash, like yeah. all those guys. There's a documentary on Amazon that is one of those BBC ones that Amazon just like bought all the BBC music documentaries, uh, and it's on Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And there is some stuff in there from Laurel Canyon, but. It wasn't, like, you know, substantial. And that, to me, is like Jackson Brown, Warren mm-hmm. Zevon, the Eagles, the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the birds, the remnants of, I mean, you know, Graham Parsons, and everything that sort of came out of that, you know, what is now alt-country had started mm. there. 
Hmm. Were there specific spots that they all hung out at? That's what I want to know, Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are the things I want to know. Like, whose house were they always trashing? Was yeah. Graham Nash like, oh, guys. Like, what was the <laughs> club? Not the vase. What was the club that Alice Cooper was saying? Like, he was hanging out and he would see, like, Salvador Dale and, like, all those. Probably the Rainbow Room, right, Val? Or the Troubadour. Uh, yeah. One of those two. But that's not no, really the No, but that Valley. was in the village. I'm talking oh, about in New, New York. York. I'm just saying at that time, like, all of these influential people, these oh, artists. And, in New York? Yeah. Cafe Wa? I don't know. Maybe, Some, yeah. Didn't David Lee Roth's uncle own that? Is that true? I think. That makes sense. It sounds like something his uncle would you know, ran it. come up with. We're going to call it Cafe Wa! <laughs> I think there's some David Lee Roth tie to that. It was uh, going to be Cafe Balls, bop, bop. <laughs> but that was too long and... According to a new survey from Voodoo Movies and Television, the best movie trilogy of all time, the original Indiana Jones trilogy. Wasn't the third one not that good? I don't remember. I, I just either. rewatched the second one not long ago, and it was pretty good. But I don't remember the order. Like I'm not as keen on those as I am on the Star Wars movies. I, I just feel like this any any topic where it has trilogy and it's the best. How I mean, what's the first thing that you think Star about Wars. when you Star think of trilogy? Wars. So Godfather. I mean, I feel like the Godfather was third on the list. Uh, I guess Godfather is on that. The third one is so bad. Like I just rewatched the first one, and obviously that is just one of the all time greats. Yeah. The, the, the third one is so fun to go back and watch because it's terrible. It is so terrible that the entire time you're watching it, you're like, I can't believe they did this to The Godfather. It does not... It's, I thought maybe it would get better with time. It's worse. It, it, it felt like Steven Seagal should have been in The Godfather <laughs> Part 3, didn't it? Yeah. They actually had a couple of guys who looked exactly like Steven Seagal that were the hitmen during the yeah. opera scene at the end. It was very cheesy. The acting was... I mean, look, Sofia Coppola is a great filmmaker terrible actress well think about how much happened in the first film alone like just the amount of movement in the storyline i mean like michael took over the family and then killed all the members of the other five families all together that was only the first one right and then the second one goes back in time obviously and with De Niro, and you find out the beginnings of the Don Corleone character, and all well, that's that what stuff. I, I think I watched The Godfather Part Three, not knowing that it was like uh, panned or anything like that. And I, I immediately they introduced like seven new characters, and I was like, "Well, this is gonna suck." Yep. Oh yeah, it's not good. Just like, you can't, you can't, yeah. It wasn't far enough for the story to advance. Right. Like they're they can't go anywhere else. They've killed everyone. And they're in business with the Vatican, and they're going legitimate. It's just it's mm -hmm. it's all convoluted. But uh, I I I would say Star Wars would have to be in there, and I thought Lord of the Rings would be. Oh yeah, I didn't. Lord think about of the that. Rings, Jurassic Park is second, Godfather third, Back to the Future. Jurassic Park is second. I just don't even think of convenient Jurassic Park. since Jurassic Park is just coming out in theaters this week. Uh, I would say yeah, because uh, the second one was like god awful. I think. How can yeah. I, I don't understand how it can be a trilogy when there's like five or six. That's the other thing. Yeah. It I guess they just consider it the original three. Three or more? Oh, oh okay. They're so they're judging the it on the best movie trilogy. But that's not, to your point, a trilogy if it keeps going. What right. about Back to the Future? Back to the Future is fourth. Then is Lord of the Rings, Die Hard, Pirates of the Caribbean, which again, aren't there like 10 of those? Yes. There's a uh, bunch. The original Star Wars trilogy. 
What number was that? Episodes four through six. So good. Yeah. How about Naked uh, Gun? The Terminator, <laughs> Toy Story. Naked 33 and a third. Uh, other notables on the list, Iron Man, The Matrix, Alien, and Mad Max. I put Iron Man up there. I don't know what Definitely. the third Mad Max is considered to be. I think the second one was good. The first the first one's awesome. Is the third one the newest one? I don't know if that's Thunderdome or if, if second is Thunderdome. Thunderdome I had... I Thunder was... Yeah, I think that was the second one. That had Tina Turner in it. Yeah. Was she in it or did she, she was just in do it. the... No, she was in it. Welcome to yeah. Thunderdome. Thunderdome was awesome. The newest one is so good. Val, you loved it and you were I like... Didn't, I didn't watch it. Wait. I, I saw... <laughs> No, because no, you Val, wanted you me it. to because Tom Hardy's in it. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I only saw like a couple seconds I caught of it. on. It's just basically an hour and 40 minute chase scene. It's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you're, you're, you seem like you're not impressed by this. I would, Jerry, my wife, she's like doesn't like action movies or anything like that. And this one on its face seems even super cheesy, mm-hmm. glued to the, to the television. Really? She Charlize still, she watches is reruns amazing of amazing in it. And it's it's just and it's, it's really good. Kind of sci-fi, and I'm not really into sci-fi too much. Yeah, but it's just like heart-pounding thriller. Like, just did you ever see Apocalypto? Oh, I love no. that movie. That's, that's a great. That's a great analogy for that one. It's a like great that. comparison. Is that the Mel Gibson? Movie? Yeah, it's like hardly any talking, but mostly chasing. <laughs> just people chasing you. One is through a jungle. The other one is through a desert. I don't go seek out action movies too much anymore, but when you stumble on a really good one, you just remember what you love about them. I think watching the first scene of Casino Royale, was it? Was it that the first? Oh, yes. yeah, with the parkour. Yes. And yeah, that was And cool. you're like, oh, my God, they're doing this stuff in movies now? Yeah. It is incredible, the stories that they're able to tell and the action sequences that they're able to film while sucking you in to, you know, like, and getting excited about something you thought you were like, ah, you know, whatever, I don't need to go uh, see Vin cares? Diesel do anything, yeah. you know? But... <laughs> The, the the action scenes are so good now, it's it's uh it's pretty incredible what they can do with CGI, and actual just badass dudes doing ridiculous stunts. Showers and thunderstorms possible today, mid seventies for the high. It's sixty seven at DVE. Like where they film Mad Max, the last one, the Shirley Theron one, just out in the desert somewhere. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess would have had to. <laughs> <laughs> They filmed it in the valley. It was crazy. Graham Nash's house. <laughs> Guys! It's getting sand everywhere. <laughs> Jeff Conkle is uh, hanging out with us. Mr. Wednesday is here this morning. And uh, the more, no, no Mr. Wednesday song again. Where is what? my damn Mr. Wednesday song? There it is. Thank you. Kind of like early days of fall. Yep. You got him, Jeff Conkle. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm I'm uh, I'm building the fjord across the rivers for the next couple of days. I think it's going to be nasty and wet. And yep, it's 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 we late September weather. It's supposed to be really beautiful through the weekend, though. I think is it? Yeah, like slow, sunny, low seventy. But don't you feel like fall just like knocked a cinder block over your head? It was yes. 86 and sunny like two weeks ago, and immediately switched the, like the next day it was chilly in the morning and there were kids at the bus stop we don't seem to have transitions anymore to no. any, any 
uh, a season. It just goes like a light switch. From well, one every to the time other. like mm-hmm. we get to this time of year, I basically I don't know if you guys do this, but I feel like the summer passed me without me doing anything that I wanted to do. So the last two weeks, like I'm trying to shove every summer activity. <laughs> like I'm probably gonna go see if sandcastles open like in the next couple hours just to see if I can get one in. Man, what? I haven't been there in a decade. <laughs> really, that long? Yeah. My friends' uh, family used to always do that, where they waited all summer to do their summer vacation until like the week after yeah. Labor Day. Like they would like start school late That's if they late. had to, because their dad would get off on like nobody's here. We have the place for ourselves. Oh yeah. But it's like you have to wait all summer to right. do it, and then when nobody's there, it actually doesn't fun. seem as much fun. Yeah. yeah. How about if we don't go trick or treating this year, kids, and then the day <laughs> after we buy the candy. It's cheaper. James Harrison's rankling some feathers because on the show Undisputed, he uh, he was talking about Le'Veon Bell and had this to say. And I, didn't, now I don't really think a trade will happen. I don't think somebody else would take that because they can't give him a new contract, and that's mm-hmm. what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the play for Le'Veon, if I'm Le'Veon, is I'm coming back, what is it, November 13th, yeah, the tenth, the tenth game. and I'm going to go in there, I'm going to get my credit the season that I need to get, and I'm going to do the best I can to get out of that season healthy. And for me... I'd give you everything in practice. You would see, the cameras would see that I am fine, I am healthy. But come Saturday, something ain't right. I can't play on Sunday. Because if I go out here and I mess something up, I'm oh, moving a lot of money. A, he going to put an Earl Thomas on uh, it. just like what hey. Earl said. <laughs> All right, so now people are encouraging him to show up and fake an injury and collect money. The Left Bell saga is just getting uglier and uglier. And I, I, I'm almost always on the side of the player against management but this one there's just there's so many things about this one that are annoying because it's our team well, and it's, our it's team. how he's playing it it's all the things that are coming out right. of him in south beach right the record release the jet ski the strip club if it he, doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative that he's trying to paint which is that he's all about his business and wants another contract and is deserving of the most money a running back's ever gotten. Big old tough James Harrison. Go out there and fake an injury. After the things Fall they said... in a meeting. Look, he... he They'll s- ship you right out. He said after the things they said about him and having him to step back into that locker room, there's going to be a lot of friction. Things said, you can't just pull them back and take them away. So instead of making more fuss than what it is, yeah, I feel just let him go. He said. Get rid of him. I think a lot of Steeler fans would agree with that. Yeah. And use the money move, for something else. Just move on. We'll talk to Merrill Hodge about it a little later on this morning. Oh, I want to hear what he has to say. Me- oh, dude. Dang. <laughs> That's what he has to say, first of all. <laughs> Dang. Let me tell you about Mad Max. Um, Mark Madden. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love to see Merrill in that movie. Now, Max is running counter. Yeah. He's not that mad. Uh, Mark Madden. <laughs> <laughs> Him diving off a motorcycle and tackling everybody. <laughs> Dude, Merrill did that one time. Remember this story, Val, where he jumped off a jet ski? He told us a story on the air one day. A there snowmobile, was this, I thought. A snowmobile, was. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah not a jet ski. That would be I was really say, hard. A jet ski? You know, wow. Water wolves? The Le'Veon Bell thing was just still in my head. Kill a shark? He killed DJ Callen. He jumped over. <laughs> uh, no, he, there was a wolf. And it was like. Uh, I don't know, wreaking havoc, I guess. And they decide, him and his brother are like, we're going to take that wolf down. And they like zoom what? up next to him on a snowmobile and jump off. <laughs> and he like strangled the wolf, <laughs> which is not a euphemism. 
<laughs> no, that's not like choking the chicken. Right. He strangled the wolf. So he told this story on the air. This was like the year 2000, 2001. He tells the story on the air. The reaction, you would have thought he admitted a murder on the air. Oh, really? Oh, my God. The, for, you know, as many people as are hunters in this area and thought it was like this badass story, it pissed off so many people. And he's like, hold, hold on now. <laughs> yeah. I had my tags. Let me go back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, in Utah, you're allowed to strangle one wolf a season. <laughs> That reminds me of this. I used to read, uh, I was reading this Teddy Roosevelt biography, and like the opening line said, like, last winter in Colorado, Roosevelt left off, leapt off his horse into a pack of wild dogs that had cornered a cougar, knifed it to death, and like collected its pelt. And I was like, what president in the, our memory would be badass enough to leap off a riding horse into a pack of wild dogs and kill a cougar with his bare hands. I guess Merrill for president yeah. 2022. <laughs> That's the one we need. Jimmy Carter would have built it a new habitat. <laughs> we have a cougar habitat. <laughs> the Teddy Roosevelt documentary, the Ken Burns documentary on the Roosevelts, yeah. is one of my favorites. I've, I think I've watched it like six times. It... You don't like it? No, you realize that psychopaths are necessary to be leaders in the world. <laughs> is that Teddy Roosevelt was an abject sociopath, psychopath, Total whatever, psychopath, and he was yeah. still capable of doing incredible things he for was. the bulk of humanity. Yeah. The, how, I just, I can't square him in my head. Like, how do you go from being this psychopath to being like, we need national parks. I want to make sure that we preserve all the land oh, for the his, animals. That was his whole I thing, mean, That though. was his big thing. Yeah, well, the part about that that you were leaving out is why did he want land for animals so, so he, he could, could kill, kill them and mount them in his, his house <laughs> yeah so there's the psychopath right there he the trip he takes to Net the amazon for us yeah but. there's this trip he takes to the amazon with one of his with his son kermit i think yeah and it like he should have died like four times on this trip at one point he's like dying on a, a raft <laughs> You know, and he's like writing letters to home, dearest Margaret. You know, right. I bequeath my like. He thought he was totally going to die from malaria and infection in his leg, and he like made it through, and then like helped everybody else by the end of it. He was like a hundred percent, and they were carrying him to his grave, and he makes it out of the Amazon. When he was running for the bull moose party, an anarchist shot him in the chest, and he gave an hour long speech afterwards. Yes. Yeah. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't noticed, I've been shot. Now, let's talk about Japan. What a threat <laughs> to the Pacific sovereignty. Oh, man. All right. Uh, and then the the FDR part. His boring. So boring. <laughs> his, his personal life? So weird. Like. Well, wasn't he like a super mama's boy or something like I don't I'm trying to even remember that part. Yeah, he was a big time mama's boy, but if you remember, he married Eleanor, but it, it was, was his almost cousin or something. She was his cousin, but then he had an affair with another cousin. Yeah. Dude was Keep way into his cousins. Way into his cousins. Very strange up there on the Hudson. Hey, you don't start political dynasties by branching out and diversifying your gene pool. You gotta <laughs> you gotta circle the wagons every now and again and <laughs> talk about fake news. They never showed his the, the he had polio. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was always sitting. 
Everyone thought <laughs> they were like, yeah, he must be fine, right? Boy, he's a big sitter, isn't he? He's got a weak <laughs> lumbar. <laughs> All right, quick break. We'll come back. Mike Pursuta with your sports. We're getting set for week four. The Steelers and the Ravens Sunday night here in Pittsburgh. And we'll have the uh, action for you at 4 o'clock for the 820 kickoff on your radio home of the Steelers DVE. Bella Luna in Murraysville is your Bud Light game day bar of the week. 250 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Bella Luna in Murraysville. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Uh, not a lot in the Mike Tomlin press conference yesterday. That's usually the case after a Monday night game ends. Sometime he meets the media after the game sometime around midnight and then 12 hours later, he's at it again, and right. not a whole lot has changed, particularly off a road game. But a couple of nuggets uh, that at least I found interesting. Uh, let's start with Chris Boswell, who is struggling mightily. Yes, he is. And uh, Mike Tomlin said uh, he is our kicker. He'll get it turned around. I don't know what the history of uh, previous kickers, if that kind of vote of confidence means that they're going to have a tryout next week or <laughs> Uh, if Boswell's on a short leash or they really do have that kind of faith in him. I would think based on his history here, he's still got a couple weeks to straighten this out. More, I feel, don't yeah. you feel like most Pittsburghers feel that way? Like he missed a couple, but I feel like everyone's ha- he has such a long leash, it's it's oh, going to yeah. be hard for anybody to get turned on him. Well, he had how many games. game winners last year? Five were won within by three points, right? Correct. So Four on field goals either late in the fourth or in overtime. Uh, yeah, you do not throw the... Uh, the baby out with the bathwater on that one, especially given that you just signed him to a big contract. Now, that is to say, you know, eventually you're not going to be able to to deal with it. And you either figure out a way to put him on injured reserve or something if you want to hold on to him and let him get his head together. You can't abide that forever. He can't have a bad year. But there's a difference between a guy who's duck hooking it and cannot figure it out and a guy who... Got a couple of bad bounces, hitting the ball. That 47-yarder was good from 67. Looks like he's striking it well. It's he's just crushing a little it. off. The he, problem is between the ears. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and that's... Kickers, know, goalies, Not the first guy, not the last that does what he does that's going to go through that. I just keep sending him out there and hope the next one goes through. It uh, only takes one good game to get him back. Maybe one good kick, right? Well, I thought the 37-yarder he had... Was it 37, the first field goal he made on, uh, Mon- on yeah Monday night... I thought that was going to bring him back because he hit it after he missed the extra point. Yes, he did. And the missed extra point, I thought, was that could have been the beginning of the unraveling mm-hmm. for him. So when he came back with that field goal, I thought he was good. If he would have hit the 47-yarder, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. And he hit the upright. So it's not yeah. like... If it bounced in, we wouldn't be talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Which they do sometimes. Just hang in there and uh, ride it out. Uh, in terms of cornerback opposite Joe Hayden... It's either Hang Artie Burns or out. Cody Sensabaugh or Cam Sutton. Oh, they're going to keep running different guys out there and see if somebody can jump up and say, hey, I'd like to play this position. Boswell, maybe? <laughs> well, uh, we know Cody has two chances. One is Cody and one is Sensabaugh. Yeah, he, he gets an extra straw. So there'll be a four-man <laughs> rotation and he gets two cracks at it. Uh, the injured Cody, guys, you're in there. Sensabaugh, uh, get in there. Man, I was just in there. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Morgan spell Cody. <laughs> Morgan Burnett, David DeCastro, and Marcus Gilbert uh, all missed the game in Tampa, but Mike Tomlin said they all have a chance to participate this Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens. See how the practice week plays out. And uh, I found this kind of interesting uh, from a curious standpoint. 
Mike Tomlin, you know, he often talks about uh, he's a, a football junkie and a fan of the game and a student of the game as well as a coach and a participant in the game. Uh, see what you think of this quote, talking about all the penalties, not just the Steelers' penalties, but Tampa's penalties as well. It is worrisome from a fan perspective. I do worry about what it's like to watch that game at home with penalties being administered at the rate they were. Thank you. He thought it was bad TV, was it? It was. At I times. The, I don't know. I thought the game was good. It's just a new annoying wrinkle. I felt the same way about the uh, when college kids would get booted out of the game for, for a head, targeting the head. It was annoying at first, but now you just got to get kind of used to it, and it'll be fine. But I there's mean, something about, to expect it. Something about using entertainment as the basis for whether or not something is good or bad for football. Yeah. Well, he brought that up, and he brought it up a couple times because he said that we are in a fan's entertainment business first and foremost. You can't lose sight of that. They make the whole thing go. I don't know if that's his way of kind of campaigning uh, an end run to you know, hey, lighten up Francis on the flags or if he just kind of legitimately feels that way and he felt like expressing it. I don't know that there's a big contingency that feels like the new roughing the passer rules are helping the game. And the, the goal of, of this is to teach people a way to not kill each other on the field thereby allowing the sport to entertain people for a lot longer. And allowing the the star caliber players to be available to do that. Right, and there are hiccups in in figuring out how to do that. And I think there were, to Jeff's earlier point, when they first instituted uh, the rules with the quarterback and the stuff that Harrison used to bitch about all the time and Mike Mitchell, and then all of a sudden, a year later, both of those guys were like, oh, I figured it out. And the game was no less entertaining. This one, however, feels different. This I, feels like it is the the, well, rough, the rough, like landing on him with a percentage yeah. of your body weight and having a ref be able to determine, well, that was over 50% of his body weight. It feels different to me just because you can tackle a guy with your head to the side the way you're supposed to and Wrap uh, you know, not drilling him in the temple and still fall on him. I mean, that's going to happen. Randy, and, I, I, and most linebackers, especially defensive linemen, the linemen are going to be about 300 pounds, and the quarterback's not. Yeah. I also think that we're forgetting short-term history. I know you just said the game is just as entertaining as it always has been, but Bill and I can attest to at the, uh, what was it, the 2009 AFC Championship game oh, yeah. when uh, Willis McGahee hit Ryan Clark head-to-head, and both of them got knocked out. I don't know that I've seen a, a stadium more entertained, bloodthirsty, whatever the right word is. Well, more, and that comparing was, that and comparing that, yeah, and comparing that to Clay Matthews falling on a guy a little bit. Uh, I was there. That uh, yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, you can hear that hit from the stands. There's YouTube uh, videos of that hit from the stands where you can hear it. You it's felt, almost a gasp. It was like, oh! Like, you yeah. felt it in your molars. It, it wasn't euphoria. It was kind of shaking you at the core. Like, wow, did that just happen? Right. Well, I'm not saying there should be no contact. I'm saying they did put some rules in that I agree with, like not targeting the head. Yeah, like, you know, stuff like that. You take that out. Incidental contact, a good hit. Like that yeah. hit to me was like within the bounds of the football that I grew up with and know. So I don't think that's something that they needed to take out of the game. But I understand that 
People are uh, suing I'm them. just saying that it, it, we have to be honest that it, it is still like a gladiator sport and no that question. there's still, it, I mean, we'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't say that seeing someone get absolutely crushed over the middle doesn't titillate you a little well, bit. Well, y- yesterday we had Cam Hayward on and he said, you know, whenever he's rushing the, the quarterback, he's been trained his whole life. If you actually get to the quarterback and fight through all those blockers, you make the quarterback pay. Yeah. For passing the ball right. against you. Oh, you want to drop back and pass? You might get killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's going away. That's it's, yeah. Go, that's have, that's gone. Cam Hayward and the rest of them have to adjust to that. And they it's going to take a minute. They got to now. That that's out. where I think they are detracting from the entertainment entertainment value of the game. And if you know you can get killed going over the middle, you're not as confident going over the middle. Right. Now the Joe Hayden Which hit no on, longer. Now that fear should be gone. Because that's uh, a, with uh, all the defenseless receiver stuff and the target yeah. high. Yeah, that's middle's wide open. So the Joe Hayden hit a been a penalty then? I'd have to look at it again, to be honest. I, with thought, I thought they got away with it. Because yeah. he left his feet. Because he launched. Yeah. And and the receiver, you could argue, was defenseless. Well, they but went off. I, I mean, I love the yeah. hit. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that was, to Bill's point, that used to be the deterrent. The, the middle was covered right. because nobody wanted to go there. Because they would get killed, and, that, that, <laughs> right. and now that lane is open. So I guess what we're complaining about is that there's no uh, there's nope. no fear of being killed. Yeah, which I kind of <laughs> well, like. you guys know the reason behind all of this is not necessarily concern for the players, uh, as, in as much as it is about the lawsuits that yes. are piling right. up in a big way for the NFL, and they yeah. cannot keep up with how much liability they've accrued in the last 30 years of the sport. I do think the quarterback thing is an exception to that because they want the they want Aaron Rodgers playing. They don't want him getting right. crushed. That's they, what I keep thinking. They don't want the star money-making uh, fan, the guys who draw the fans. and By some the, interior lineman yeah. Mongo that nobody some knows. Idiot that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want those guys on the field. But the rest of it, I agree with it. It's you know, liability first and... Right. Well, that's all they care about in the NFL right now in terms of like player health is concussions that is the singular focus of the NFL right now if you if you blew your knee out on some new turf or something they'll get around to worrying about that much later yeah. down the road nobody's suing about that you right a wall now. that's too close to the end zone or if the, oh, so what rules do you guys sucks. think they should ha- they they have in that are already sort of modified that they should reset and go back to the original one I don't think any. The only thing I think they should do, and I think Gene Steratore was talking about this yesterday, is they need to modify the roughing the passer thing. And I hate putting something into the eyes of the referee to interpret, but I think in this case it's the only way to do it. These guys know the game. They have a feel for these hits. And just let them use their judgment. Was the guy trying to give the quarterback something extra? Was it egregious? Or was it unavoidable? And no that matter, just no be... matter what percent of his body weight happened to land on the guy, and and uh, if you if you look at it through that lens, I don't think Clay Matthews gets a penalty last week because it should pass the eye test. Yes, conversely, when Aaron Rodgers gets grabbed and thrown to the ground, right, that should have been a penalty and wasn't. I think that's why Mike McCarthy was having a stroke. Yeah. Or the Aiello's might have finally caught up with him. <laughs> Could be. Um, Pirates having a cheeser. Give me a quick pirate update. Beat <laughs> the Cubs six nothing last night. What Chris, time did that game finally go off? Uh, I think it started about nine. Oh, okay. Chris Archer went six innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Second good start for him. Yeah, the first one was against Kansas City. If you're thinking of oh, Kansas City, you know who cares? This was the Cubs, 
And this is the guy. Better late than never, man. Yeah, all right. All right, really cool. threw the ball well. well. Early for next year. Quick break. We'll That's come right back. More with uh, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday. Merrill Hodge on the show later on this morning. Mark Madden closing thing. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday is uh, hanging out with us here this morning. What do you got uh, going on there, Jeff? What's happening? Uh, I'm on two nights, like I said, <laughs> of uh, children either disrupting sleep, climbing in beds. No. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. My, pretty brutal. My one-year-old, I, apparently we didn't tell him that there's no meal in between dinner and breakfast, <laughs> and he's been demanding a meal in between dinner and breakfast, so he's going to have to get used to that. <laughs> and then he's Dagwood Bumstead. He's just uh, looking for that late-night sandwich, man. Yeah, I'm gonna pop what are the, the ages again of, of your boys? One and three. And then the three-year-old, for some reason, just decided to climb in bed. First time that's ever happened with me and my wife last night, like apropos of nothing. And we were talking a little bit about this, but that's happened to you. That's yeah. a that's a sweet gesture when it seems when, at first, and then it's super, super, super annoying the rest of the, the rest of the night. Oh yeah, because they just subtly and slowly push you out of the bed. <laughs> they do that, and then he's a. He, I, I learned that he's a. a fidgety freddy in there he's just he's wiggling <laughs> yep. his toes up against me he's <laughs> kneeing me in the back like every little roll i'm, I'm feeling so uh, it's the worst yeah and you really can't that's a it's not like a dog no because then you're thinking c- like what am i gonna kick my little baby out of my the bed it's just a sweet little gesture but my god move over to your mom's side knee her in the uh, you know <laughs> What back. you should do is get a dog pillow at the bottom of the bed. That would be... Just tell them <laughs> they the can kids. sleep in the room, but sleep down there. Well, I already leave a bowl of water out for them, so... <laughs> do you feel... What does he expect? Like, I would be thinking I should get up and go sleep on the couch and get some good sleep, but I can't do that because I have to embrace this moment because this yes, is really that's special. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And so I should be looking at this differently, even though I would sleep better if I just went on a lazy boy. Yeah, I went to sleep right but see, now. I feel like that's in a way the problem with parenting now is that parents realize that they have to cherish moments like this, so they hold on to them way longer. So that's why you have parents that stand outside of the bus stop with like tenth graders. Right? Have you seen that? Yeah, with tenth graders. I well, I, I'm being a little bit exa- oh. exaggerating, but still, there's definitely kids that don't need their mom holding an umbrella over them. You know, when they're twelve years old. Right. Because well, in I my s- opinion, the bus stop was like the first line of where you learn the social hierarchy. Yeah. And you can't, if you had your mommy standing there with you, there was no learning going on. Like our school doesn't have a bus, but I actually had to be told by my daughter last year, both my daughters approached me and they were like, dad, um, we don't want you standing out here when we come out of school anymore. Go. You can park down, halfway down the <laughs> they're block. They're so over young there. for that to have happened. That's I know. usually something that happens when they're like teenagers. Yeah. So then I got them walkie talkies, and I was like, "All right, fine." But when you come out, chirp your dad. Now chirp your back. But see, isn't it because you cherish like the the moment? You don't want oh, yeah, that I finality to end right there. Because every, it's- every day they came out of school, I was like, "Come here, give yeah. me a hug." And my you know my fifth grader now is like, "Dad." Stiff arm. So embarrassing. Yeah, she's giving you the Vance McDonald. <laughs> she's already in fifth grade. Fifth grade. Oh, my That's God. Crazy. I'm like, you have no idea how much I'm going to embarrass you. That We were driving home, and there was like this boy walking up the side of the road, and I was like, does he go to your school? And she was like, I don't know, Dad. God. <laughs> well, she's like talking to me like Napoleon Dynamite now. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, let's stop and uh, see where, where he's from. And I stopped the car and start rolling down the window. 
she, she, scr- she screamed and slapped me so hard. <laughs> Dad, go! Oh my God, you're so embarrassing. Wait till they find out just how embarrassing you. Like, you don't know. You actually are. You don't know. Well, going along with this, the helicopter parenting, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say phenomenon. It's more of a sort of blight. They've advanced that marker, isn't there? It's lawnmower, lawnmower parenting now. What, yeah, what was the definition of that? That was when parents just will mow over anything to prevent their children from having any kind of discomfort, either emote like. And the the one example the doctor gave was some girl went to school and said, I really don't want to drink water out of the fountain. So the dad left work and took her bottled water at school. Oh, my God. Yay. So there's a 52-year-old woman named Diane Torado. She's been a teacher for two decades Port St. Lucie, Florida. She's an eighth grade social studies teacher. Eighth grade. All right. At the beginning of the year, she gave her class an assignment to make an explorer's notebook. They had two weeks, but some of them didn't turn in anything. So she gave them those students. In Florida. Yeah. She gave those students zeros. Yeah. You didn't turn in it. You get a zero. There's nothing here. Donut hole. Goose egg for you. She got fired for it. (laughs) <laughs> School policy said the lowest grade a teacher can give a student is 50%, which is stupid. What? Diane said, if there's nothing to grade, how can I give you 50% on nothing? That would imply some effort. So her students even think it's ridiculous she got fired over the policy. One of them writing on her Facebook, quote, you showed me to be responsible for my work and things that I do. School standing by the firing. They put out a statement. They said this is a part of a pattern of her being, quote, defiant. That's just... It's just because parents... I'm telling you, they interfere in the schools and they don't want, like, they coddle the damn kids. Oh, when it was, I know a lot of teachers and when I was a kid, the kid was always the problem. Like, if you got called to the school. Oh, yeah. They're like, what did you do? Right. Right. You've embarrassed the family. Now the parents go after the teachers. I think there's a a little bit of the reason for that is that the stakes, even like, uh, again, as a parent, you now know the path. So if they get an F in ninth grade social studies, that's going to affect their GPA, which is maybe going to affect their ability to get into college, which is da, 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 and it's going to have all these extrapolated effects. So people are more willing to go to bat for the seemingly like minutia stuff because they think that it has these grand implications. Yeah, and uh, but but to me, it's like where are you spending your energy? Like to me, I'm make I'm I'm making that a point of emphasis now for them to be good students and putting the onus on them. To be in control of their own destiny, so to speak. This is what I never get about, though, is that when every, when every older generation complains about the younger generation, it's like, you know, you did that. Like, you're responsible for whatever this is in, in a lot of ways. Right. You I'm, had a hand in getting us here. Yeah. I'm wondering if the school has some part in it because they don't want students to be in a position where they are more likely to fail because of some sort of state standard oh, or yeah. some sort They're, of... That, that's definitely a play. Yeah, because don't schools get more money based yeah. on yeah. scores so, and... Bouncing back from a 50% is a lot easier than back bouncing back from a zero. L- l- yeah, let's not get into the education system <laughs> discussion because yeah, we'll that's be here completely all screwed up. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about it either because I don't have I don't have kids in it or I'm not... Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just know a little bit because I don't have kids either, but it seems to be a mess. When we were at Greenfield, this this dad I was talking to outside was like, yeah, you know, my son can't read. And, you know, I'm like, 
hey, that's on Yins. Like, teach my kid how to read. And I was like, what grade is your kid in? He's like, third. But I'm saying. Oh, my God. He's like, oh, my God, dude. He's 27. Read your kid a book. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, what do you got coming up? I got the show out at, uh, it's it's in the middle of October, so there's still some time left, but I'm going to do a, uh, back to my fire hall roots out with uh, Sean Blackham, our, yes. our buddy, so we're, I'm going to be hitting that circuit what, here. What fire some. hall? Uh, I'd love to tell you, but I don't know. <laughs> it's so far out. I How about that for a teaser? Stay yeah. tuned next week when I'll reveal mm, the location. Which fire hall will Those shows are so at. fun, though. They they are, are they're the, the best. best. They're the, they're ba- the best. They're so much fun. All right, uh, Val's got your news coming up next. What do you got? Uh, people in open relationships have better sex. Big shock. <laughs> <laughs> with each other or with the people that they're... Just in uh, general. Uh, okay. Big shocker. Merrill Hodge, 745. Also, Mark <laughs> Madden joining us later. The Tomlin Translator and more. It's the DVE Morgue. Bill Cosby might not get out of prison before he's 90. The man once known as America's dad was sentenced yesterday to three to ten years in state prison. 81-year-old Cosby was sentenced in a suburban Philly courtroom for drugging and sexually assaulting former Temple University athletic staffer Andrea Constand at his home in 2004. I just picture him like doing that waddle into the like instead of the perp walk he does that dance he does in the intro he's probably annoying the hell out of his cellmate right right now you see the thing you need to do with the toilet is when you're done with it you got to clean up you got to wipe the front to the back the ms-13 gang members need to pull up the pants (laughs) randy bellman and the dve morning show jeff conkel on the show there earlier mr wednesday uh, joining us Bill Cosby in prison is such a surreal thought. Yeah, it's really weird. I'm having a hard time believing he's actually in prison right now. He is. I thought for sure he would appeal and get out on appeal or something. That Yeah, he is appealing, but I don't know what the process there is. I think they didn't let him out because... I'm sure he's a flight risk. He called him a violent... Is he, though? Well, I mean, he's gotten bazillions of dollars. He could just get a private plane and go somewhere. Did you hear his public spokesman after the sentencing? Yes. Said Jesus was persecuted too. Yeah, he compared him to Jesus, which uh, I don't think uh, there's much of a comparison there. I really don't. You're right. I actually have more followers than he did. <laughs> he only had 12, and I have a lot more than that. Uh, Rudy, uh, Theo, <laughs> Camille. Oh, God. It's so bizarre. I mean, and his mugshot. I didn't know you're allowed to take a mugshot just staring down. But I guess he's blind now. I mean, he's been legally blind for a number of years, I, I believe. Uh, but I thought it was like in one eye or whatever. But he's, yeah, he's like looking down. It's, I can't believe I just saw him in concert like four or five years ago. Yeah. I introed him. I hung out with him. And it was the weirdest evening. I've told it the story a bunch of times on the show. Did you think it was weird at the time or yes. after all the allegations came out? I remember. Like, oh, well, that makes sense. I told Bill Burr what happened. And he told me, all he said was, oh, dude, he's a legendary lady, lady hound. You know, he's a, you know, he's a pea hound. And I was like, really? Because I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he didn't. No, neither did I. And he didn't allude to anything untoward other than, you know, he likes girls. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, 
He's a he's a lady killer type stuff. Not like literal. You know, he wasn't like grabbing. Yeah, he he drugs them and whatever. Like I did, remember you telling me that it you, it was really uncomfortable. Very weird because he kept thinking that Margot was your girlfriend yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, he kept saying because uh, it was Margot B was uh, at the show and she and I have been friends forever. And I was like, come come hang backstage or, or no, that's not what happened. Bill Cosby goes, "Where's your girlfriend?" Out of nowhere, because I had uh, I put on the wrong suit, I had uh, the wrong jacket, and the pa- the pants and jacket didn't me- match, <laughs> and the pants I took were like shoes. had been sitting in my closet forever on the end. I don't even know why I put the, them on, and they had a big like dust mark on the one side, and I didn't realize until I sat down to take pictures with them. And I was like, oh my god, these pants are all dusty. And then I was like, I looked at the coat, and I'm like, oh, they're not even the right. <laughs> You know, they're off by just a shade. And I'm like dusting off. And he's like, how come your girlfriend didn't do Where's your girlfriend at? She should have done that for you. And I was like, uh, she's outside in the you know, audience because I don't want to tell Bill Cosby. I don't have a girlfriend. She's <laughs> traveling. So I went and got Margo and I was like, just tell me you're my girlfriend. He's like being weird. So uh, your insecurity could have got that girl hurt. I know. And then we go backstage and he is so into her. He basically she's beautiful. Yeah, she's and she was on uh, doing an off Broadway show at the time doing Rent, and he, you know he's like, oh, she's a big star, and you're just doing this radio. What are you gonna do? She's gonna leave you. You're in trouble. <laughs> and then he decided he wanted her to be out on stage, I, like apropos of nothing. She, she walked him out. She's didn't gonna she? walk him you, out. You both did. No, I went out and introduced him, and I I like had an introduction worked up. And it was one of the few times I didn't just wing it because it was Bill Cosby. So, of course. Like, <clears throat> you know, memorized. Oh, you nailed it. 90 seconds. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, then he comes walking out on stage and she's like escorting him out mm-hmm. there. And then he took her hand and put it in my hand and like turned us around and then like put his hands on our back and like pushed us off the stage like gently like now you walk that way. But he started the show late. Because he was like, he could so not, he, he had his arm out. around her backstage the entire time. He was just like hanging on her. And she was like, this is Bill Cosby. Yeah. This is like your grandfather's hanging out with you. I don't think she thought he was being a lech at the time. And now we look back on that day and we're both like, holy Jesus, that was, right. he was grooming you. You were in the lion's <laughs> mouth. Yeah. And that was a great show. It that, really was. Yes, yeah, I remember going thinking... I'm not sure what to expect because he's old and does he still have right. it? And Can he still perform for yeah. an hour plus? And it was a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought my parents to that show. Yeah, we took my mother-in-law. <laughs> and my mom is the only person that I've ever met that just didn't like Cosby before all this. It was like, I just don't get it. That's <laughs> hilarious. He's not funny. He's just not funny. And I'm like, Mom, you understand that he's like the most lovable comedian ever. He's beloved. He's Babe Ruth. He, I mean, she wasn't impressed. He's he's a bedrock of modern comedy. <laughs> she wasn't impressed. Even after the show, she wasn't impressed. No. Nope. <laughs> and now she's like validated. Yep. The irony See? of that. Thank you. That was I a beat benefit. The traffic on this one. It was a benefit for McGee Women's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> it's just oh. everything surrounding that guy is just like. What a disaster. What a complete sociopath he has had to have been. He did a bit. It's on record about slipping Spanish fly to girls. 
which is you know, knockout drug. Knockout drug. It's on record, and the crowd's laughing about it. <laughs> he did a Larry King interview where he talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't that kind of like in line with like all the rock stars and stuff that have done songs about jailbait and things like that? Like that, there was a time where people were like, "Yeah, that's a hit." Yeah, I like the girls that are like you know sixteen, and now it's like, "Oh my God, you monster!" Well, yeah, I mean, there's some. You know, updating of you know the moral awareness of uh, that situation, but you know, by and large, it, you know, the guys from Kiss didn't keep hanging out with sixteen-year-old girls. True. I, I mean, mean, Cosby that, did that this one over... felt more like an Easter egg that he hid in his act, like right? Yeah, a revealing factoid about himself. Yeah. No, the jailbait stuff is always like when you look back at it, like, Whoa. I mean, ACDC had a song, "Jailbait." Christine, sixteen, isn't that it? Kiss, yeah. Ted Nugent. Ringo Starr married a fifteen-year-old girl or whatever the hell it was, or sixteen-year-old girl. That behind the music, I'd like to watch that one again. Where the, that girl in, in, that he was with in Hawaii is basically like, yeah, I mean, I was a minor, and mm-hmm. he basically got me to emancipate. I think she emancipated from her parents. Well, wasn't Elvis know. grooming Priscilla for she like- was fourteen? And that's she? why people were getting on Drake right now because he is friends with Millie. Bobby Brown or whatever her name yeah. is from Stranger Things. And she's 13? No, she's not 13. She's a little older than that, I think. Okay. I think she's like... She might portray a 13-year-old. All right. Well, I always want to think she's 11, and then I remember that's her name. I think she's 18 and he's 31. I think there was 13 years difference. I think that might have been what I, where I was... But, I mean... Oh, no, she's 14. Oh, then there you go. Then that's no, super creepy. Was, I thought she was like 16 or 17. You can't be a 31-year-old dude who's like... Not at all. No, you can't. I guess, showbiz has different rules, I get, but... Not, not, not really. Not in that I mean, area, it, right? It shouldn't be. But I think that that's the, uh, that's the world that Cosby operated in. That this is showbiz and this is different. And I'm... It's lawless to yeah. a certain extent. Drugging and sexually assaulting women. That, I don't think that's acceptable well, in any industry. I know, I know, but look at look at Harvey Weinstein. Look how long these guys operated for. Power. Decades. Mm-hmm. Well, those dudes are all getting a comeuppance now. Les Moonves. Toppled. Total yep. creep. All right, let's talk about happier things like how the Steelers are a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that... Val, what do you got going on? Here's a Channel 11 (laughs) Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Center 11. It's 67 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. The federal government could shut down Friday if Congress doesn't pass a funding bill. The House will vote on an appropriations package this week that will include a resolution to keep the government open until December 7th. The bill will also include nearly $9 billion in aid for areas affected by Hurricane Florence. President Trump must sign the bill, which does not include funding for a border wall. Uh, That's in order to keep the government up and running. Parents of some Mars area high school students are being urged to take precautions after bed bugs were found in a classroom. School officials say they were found yesterday in classroom 140. Students who are in that room are urged to remove and seal all clothing in a garbage bag before washing them. That classroom has been sealed off until an exterminator can get there this weekend. Got to get those pillows out of the classroom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Duncan is dropping the donuts. Only from its name, though, beginning in January, Duncan Donuts will be known simply as Duncan. 
company announced an effort to rebrand itself as a beverage-led company that focuses on coffees, teas, speedy service, and to-go food, including donuts. Duncan plans to open a thousand new locations by the end of 2020. Didn't uh, how do we get the word donut? Wasn't originally donut, like K N O T. Yeah, don't know. Donut, cha- and then it changed to donut. I I'd rather eat a donut than a donut. Everybody, I guess, in Massachusetts, like had stopped using the donut part of that anyways and called it Dunkin's or something like it's, that. Yeah, it sounds like slang. Like, how did we end up from the croissant to the croissant-witch? <laughs> I don't know. You can't say croissant-witch. <laughs> it's a tough one. Sure I can. I well, can say you, it if I, I want. I don't mind if you do. I'm allowed to say anything. Go right ahead. Croissant-witch. Well, the old joke, or one of many <laughs> old jokes about marriage, in-laws are the worst, especially mothers-in-law. But it seems more and more couples who don't really have a problem with each other are going to therapy because of the in-laws. Peter Pearson is a relationship coach in California. He says about 20% of his couples are seeing him for help with in-laws. There are two main types of problems, he said. Someone's jealous of how much time their partner spends with their family or someone doesn't get along with their partner's parents. He says that every situation is different, but as a general rule, it's good to get your in-law problems worked out before the tension grows too big and causes huge problems because he says most of the time it doesn't just get better on its own. I think it's rare that you date somebody whose parents are you you find to just be awful because typically they are, a you know chip off the old block yes. acorn from the tree and it's not too far away you might disagree with you might have different you know ideologies or something like that but not typically like i can't stand this person Where if you lo- can't stand the the in-laws there's a good chance the t- person you're married to is awful as well yeah and your marriage probably ain't gonna last <laughs> no it's not right. and i've had a you know relationship that did not last because of that it was just but it was it was the time requirements for her family were like it was everything they, they got they priority on everything yeah on everything well that's yeah that's one of the two problems he said either too much time spent with family or you hate the parents you know it wasn't even like a matter of hating them it's just like it's always the priority like you have to do christmas there you have to do thanksgiving well you can't miss arbor day i mean we have to go there for <laughs> arbor day and you had to do every single thing and it just took priority when they have that enmeshment where yeah. you, they're just like, they why can't don't separate? And then they don't understand that that will always make you. You're still a satellite. You'll never yes. be you're never part of the group. Yeah. For for years, we always went to do Thanksgiving with my grandparents, with my grandfather's brother, and we went down to you know Maryland to go be with them. And it was it was a great tradition. But like my grandfather's brother would just try to get under your skin and say horrible things. That's awesome. And he was, uh, you know... Terrible person, pretty right? Pretty racist. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, just like, you know, my brother brought his Jewish girlfriend one year and he was just saying just terrible things. And I'm just like, is that the goal here? Is that... Because that, that, that's like a, a previous generation, though, where it was like, I'm going to try to make you uncomfortable. Now it's like... Oh my God, I'm 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 so nervous that anybody could be uncomfortable here. What can we do? Everybody's bending over backwards. Yeah, that generation was like, no, 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 I'm yeah. gonna go out of my way. <laughs> now I remember my uncle at my cousin's wedding. She married like a Persian dude, and he 
he yelled, "Hey, where are you? Everybody, where's everyone parking their camels?" Right? Oh, and, God. and we were like, "Dude!" Like, and of course we laughed because we're like, we're laughing at how absurd it is that you just said that. Right. But to him, he's like, "Hey, I'm just making it known. I just crushed. I just- <laughs> <Had> killed." <laughs> But he needed to, uh, he couldn't just sit there and accept that uh, his world was changing. (laughs) I I got very lucky with my in-laws. Yeah, your in-laws are cool. They're they're the kind of people that I would hang out with, even if Tim and I weren't married. That's a rarity. Yeah, I'm very lucky. In other relationship news, according to a new study, people in open relationships have better sex lives. Well, there you go. Big surprise. Open up the relationship. Because they're just having sex with everybody. Researchers from- People who eat at a buffet enjoy different types of food. (laughs) Researchers from York University in Toronto found that in these relationships, there's a spillover effect. Having multiple partners ends up leading to more sexual needs being fulfilled, which ends up enhancing each relationship. I'm not a specifically this kind of guy, but I know someone. (laughs) That's their specialty. You know what I can do for you is uh, I'm good with the tires, (laughs) but not so much with the engine. (laughs) But my friend down the street. I think the thing that the spillover effect comes more from there. It maintains a competitiveness in the relationship that I don't think is necessarily healthy, mm. but but it drives the sexual component of your relationship because if you know that there anybody can wander at any time, you still are like yeah, really well. Uh, still eat lunch here every day, don't you? You know, like you want you want to keep them as a regular right. customer, so you're you gonna gotta, you got to stay in club shape, right? Exactly. I don't understand people who want open relationships. Why be in a relationship? Because there's comforts with being in a relationship. There's uh, got to go do stuff together. You know, security and you're too busy having sex with other people. How do no, you have no, time no. to do stuff? It doesn't together? take that long. It's really a short kind of thing. Yeah, it's just a. I, I cannot wrap my head around that. No, and I'm curious to find out like if if our buddy Mitch Fatel is still now that swinging. they have a baby. Yeah, now that no, they have I think a kid. they stopped. They stopped swinging. I believe they stopped swinging after she gave birth. Just for the time being, or? I think she lost interest in it once she became a mother, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that would have to be awkward if you're swinging and then like there's a baby monitor set up in the room. <laughs> <laughs> what if he still wants to <laughs> swing? <laughs> I think <laughs> that's how it was going at first. Oh. Where she was like, go ahead and do whatever you want. I'm, I'm done with that. And then he... I. If I remember correctly, he was saying he felt guilty about it being lopsided, so he just stopped too. Yeah, you have to retire together if you're in an open relationship or you're just not going to be in that relationship. Can't get it. Uh, Oh, you can get it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Forecast today, showers and thunderstorms possible mid-70s for the high. It's 68 at DVE. We talked with Cam Hayward uh, yesterday about uh, the Le'Veon Bell situation and whether or not he'd welcome him back. Um. I'm not going to operate that way. Um, you know, we'd love to have him back. Um, but we, we it, it comes to a point where we just got to just play football. Um, and if he shows up, he shows up. But we we got to worry about what we can control. And we can control um, a guy that's not going to be there. Yeah. And uh, also Cam, of course, got memed after being caught on camera pointing at cornerback uh, Chris Conti, who got lit up on the uh, Vance uh, uh, McDonald touchdown where he just <laughs> gave the stiff arm of the decade to him. Yeah, I got memed, and it went crazy. Um, 
Luckily, I didn't have internet on the plane because there were some funny memes out there. So, um, you know, any fiasco, it felt like I was the guy in the background pointing at it. So. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? I think my favorite one is when uh, they had a picture of Iverson stepping over uh, Teron Liu, and I'm pointing at Iverson as he does it. Cam oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hayward uh, yesterday. Now, more stuff coming out. James Harrison saying Lev Bell should report to the Steelers and fake an injury. It's just insanity. The circus continues there. You know what? Let's use the noise as fuel. Steelers, Ravens, week four. Mike Tomlin Let's met with go. the media. Yesterday, we'll have the Tomlin translator for you to get to the subtext of what Coach really meant with his answers. Also, Merrill Hodge joining us 745. Mike's got your sports next on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And Mike, Coach Tomlin meeting with the media just a day after the Steelers <laughs> defeat the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday Night Football. About 12 hours after sports this hour brought to you by Blackish on my 22. Are penalties making the NFL bad TV? Mike Tomlin broaching this subject yesterday and acknowledging first and foremost that the Steelers have to clean up their act. They are committing too many penalties. But that said, are too many penalties being called? Tomlin wondered out loud a couple of times, not as a member of the competition committee, not as the coach of the Steelers, but just as a football guy, whether uh, yellow flag after yellow flag makes the game worth watching. Just an appreciator of the game, uh, somebody that's in this ecosystem that understands the entertainment of the fan, makes it all go. Um, I just say it from that perspective, not as a member of the committee or anybody in a titled position in any form or fashion. Just as somebody who loves football, um, that probably wasn't a fun game to watch. No, That's a pretty damning declaration. But it wasn't all just roughing the, pen or penalty, or roughing the passer penalties. There was a lot of bad football being played that resulted in penalties. Also, we had to endure the worst announcers in the history of television. Well, six of those uh, 13 Steelers penalties for 75 of the 155 penalty yards were special teams. But there there was a preponderance of roughing the passer. And How many of them do you think would have been called a year ago? It's a great question. I bet not four. One of them would have, for sure. Um, because it, you you can't hit the head. Yeah, although, you know, one way you can uh, look at this stuff and notice the degree of the emphasis is that repeatedly we have seen calls on guys roughing Ben Roethlisberger. And that used to never happen. Never right? happen. Never. And that's it's at least in two of the games, and maybe all three of them, uh, Roethlisberger asked about it afterwards in the unique position of being a guy who's benefiting from all this nonsense. You know what, I'm, I don't want to, to, to criticize officiating, especially when you're talking about a penalty that, that helps the quarterback out. But, um, you know, I was surprised with the first one. Uh, the second one I thought was legit, he hit me in the helmet. Um, you know, it was kind of like hearing that loud ring when, the, when your helmet gets hit. Um, but uh, there sure are a lot of them. I can't imagine the fans at home are enjoying it too much. The so first one was McCoy, right? Right. Yeah. And, and Gerald McCoy, uh, a guy who has a reputation, A, is a very good defensive tackle and B is a stand-up guy and a guy who plays the game hard but clean. He was uh, my favorite guy when not, they did the hard knocks. Not a dirty player by any stretch of the imagination. ESPN had him mic'd up for that game. Listen to what he says as he's hitting Ben Roethlisberger the first time. My 
My fault band. Oh, yeah. They made a big deal out of that on the broadcast. Dude, he's, he's awesome. saying my fault band. Remember remember Hard Knocks with him? Yeah, he was great. Is he that got where we're like, going? What? No, my guys apologizing. are going to apologize mid-play now? Do they pick up the flag if they do that? It's uh, they should. Well, I think it's a developing story. I, I think. Well, I also think that there's a uh, you have to delineate the the hits where they're late and perceived dirty. And player, there are a faction of players who would always have done that in that instance. Hey, man, sorry, my bad. I didn't mean to. I ain't trying to hurt you. There are those kind of players. Then there are the James Harrisons. Then there are the Conrad Doblers, you know the that Dominican Sues that are specifically yeah. trying to hurt you. And most people know who those guys are, which uh, leads us to our Zebra Talk segment yesterday with Gene Steratore. I'm loving these, by the way. Oh yeah, he's uh, great. Uh, Gene talked about officiating in terms of uh, letter of the law versus officiating acumen. And do you call everything? No, but if you call something that's serious or egregious or impacting the game that's what you're after uh here's gene yesterday talk as an ex-referee mm-hmm. talking about what he perceives from the implementation and enforcement of roughing the passer it appears that they are telling the officials right now this is a letter of the law rule and it looks like that's the way this thing got taken you know officiated this week guys look they do hold on every play because there is some restriction is it big enough to be a hold does it affect the play? No. That, that's football officiating acumen. That's what officials are good at when they can take something that they're not ruling by the letter of the law and they put it into the proper practice to make it, you know, when, when you take that rule word for word and now you officiate that rule a little differently because you know what's good for the game because of your experience. We do that with pass interference. We do it with holding. We do it with almost every judgment that we either call a foul on and trust me, there's thousands of them that we do not call because they may not rise to that level. Although they may appear to be the letter of the law, they're not exactly the way the rule's written. If they allow the officials to do what we've done in the past with this, I think the same thing would apply. So Even, even the one where Jason Pierre-Paul hit Roethlisberger in the head, should they be asking themselves in that situation, was he trying to club Roethlisberger in the head, or was he trying to block the ball that was being thrown, and he just happened to come down and graze his helmet? And do you call both of those? I don't disagree with you there at all. And I also think that what, what Serator is saying there is basically this reinforced... Uh, um, Preponderance the, of body weight. Yeah. Like... That they have the wherewithal at the time to determine all of that is kind of ridiculous. You have to kind of like, well, I know football, and I know what's what's dirty. I'll know it when I see it. It's kind of like the yeah. old, the uh, obscenity law. Yes. Like, how do you know when something's obscene? Well, I know it when I see it. And they're trying to get away from interpretation and, you know, something that's less than exact. They're they're just trying to say, nope, that's it. You crossed the line. That it's almost like out of bounds. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to have to look at this, and I'm curious. Uh, I will be curious to see if more coaches and players. Uh, I've been kind of Steeler focused, so I haven't heard a lot about the rest of the league. But is everybody complaining about this? Oh are my pe- god! Are people going. I mean, people in the game, uh, not just the guys who are getting the penalties called against. Them. I know Clay, Clay Matthews is complaining. Clay about Matthews it. has been sort of the poster boy for this. But are people complaining about it in the context of this is making the sport unwatchable? This is bad for the fan. Because I think that will get 
the powers that be, that'll get their attention, and then maybe there will be an adjustment back the other way. I don't think it's hard to... I know everybody's complaining about the calls, that there's too many of them, but... It, no, it, no, no, no. I've heard it, more, I didn't do it, that kind no, of thing. No, no, no. If you go on social media at all during a game, if you're following a game on Twitter while you're watching, there are commentators employed by the NFL network saying this is too much. There are people whose job it is, you know, the pundits around there to analyze what's going on, and they're not just saying, wow, this is making it unwatchable. They're saying, what is becoming of our game, which is a different thing. Yeah. And I don't know how it is for, uh, you know, fan bases around the league, but, you know, you hit the nail on the head with how Steeler fans are reacting to this. Undisciplined. Undisciplined, like, they, yeah. they, they really aim their animosity at Tomlin. Oh, yeah, well, the team. They're, they're yeah. right about the special teams in particular. Yeah. Um, some of the other stuff. You know what? I hope it adjusts a little bit. I don't want to see the quarterbacks getting killed. But, no, but you got to be able to tackle them. Yes. You, you can't. You yes. can't pull up while the guy's still got the ball in his hand. And stuff that happens through the course of the game that is not dirty and is not intending to injure should be allowed. All right, let's see what Merrill Hodge has to say about that when we return. DVE Tomlin translator on the way. We get to the subtext of what Coach really meant in his press conference yesterday. And Mark Madden in the nine o'clock hour. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now, the one and only Merrill Hodge. Ladies and gentlemen, Merrill, what's up, Merrill? How you doing? I love your energy in the morning. Well, you know, so you know, you got to fake it to make it, you know? That's right. That's right, man. If you pretend you're, you have energy, then you, then you do. Uh, That's right. I agree with that. Big Ben, this past uh, Monday night, you know, a lot lost in, in in his performance, I think, because there were so many other storylines about what was going on there. But, look, that was a right. return to four for number seven. That was just – he put the team on his back and just dominated Merrill. <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, I Here's what I, oh, I always liked about um, – as a player, you get to go watch the tape afterwards. And oftentimes, you know, it's never as good as you thought it was and it's never as bad as you thought it was when you go back and look at tape. Like, when you do it, you're like, you go back and watch it. Let's say it's a great play and you're like, man, that was phenomenal. Then you watch the tape and you're like, eh, not that all that great. <laughs> and if something's bad, you're like, man, you know, it really wasn't that bad. You know? Um, there were some throws in that game. I, I, I think it was the late one. I can't remember um, exactly. I think it was the fourth quarter. It was the third down. I think it might have been third and ten. The one to Juju? His body. I think, I, yes, that's the one oh. I'm telling you. Uh, that was a play. Okay, I watched it. Then I watched it on tape, and I'm like, wow, that was a, that actually might have been better than I thought it was. <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, he did have some sick throws. I mean, he is, that, you know why he's one of the greatest to ever play. I mean, it's just, you know, they don't come around all the time. That's why, you know, you hate seeing them leave when they do leave, you know, and you want to, you hope they'll play as long as they can because they're, they're good for the game. You know, great players like that. But that was a that was a uh, all time performance. Yeah, he kept the play alive. I think he rolled out to his right there and then throw, right. throws against the grain. You know, it looked like this was a perfect. Oh Jesus, pick six. You know, yeah. like you know, because he could have floated it there, and uh, he didn't. And he throws it. You know, pinpoint to Juju, well, who then who called it Ben Magic later in the game, or, or after the game rather. You know, countering Fitz Magic. This was Ben Magic. He said, "Yeah, Ben Magic." Well, I could argue. You know, I'll tell you when he threw it. Actually, to and this is where, like, like when you talk about instincts, this like, there would be a play right there. You're like, okay, how did you know to do that? Now, what I mean is because Juju was technically covered, and the way he was um, 
he was being posted up. And, like, you don't know if he's going to go right or left. You know, and so for just for Ben to throw it where he did, you would have to go, you know, and even if you asked him, he'd be like, you know, I don't know, just to feel, you know, it's a feel. <laughs> it's just because you're like, how do you know? How'd you know to throw it back there? And you see it all the time. I mean, I mean, that's that's what players rely on. That's why, like, as a coach, you you try never rob a player of his instincts, especially somebody who has great instincts. You know, you try to give him liberty and freedom to use those instincts because that's how you survive. That's how you make great plays. That's how you do things. Um. Because that play was as as, uh, as instinct as instinct of a play as I have I have ever seen. Because there's no way you could have said that on that split second to throw it there, and you knew Juju was going to go there unless it was just an instinct on a field. All right, that was the good. Let's talk about the bad. The secondary. I mean, they're swapping out. They're trying. Uh, I mean, trying. Merrill. They. Trying. Yeah. What does it say, Merrill, when they're trying out three cornerbacks going into Week Four? Yeah, to that's start. Good. Yeah, it's not good. You know, I mean, they're, they're they're trying. You know, they're trying to play a lot of man. Um, and sometimes you do that because just if you're not communicating very well, at least you don't have to communicate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you lock up and you play man. Um, you know, second half they played they played a lot of man in the first half and they played more zone than the second. That could have been because of the lead, but I can see why they don't play a lot of zone. <laughs> they. Uh, you know, they just got a lot of miscommunication going on. You know, and I, I think they played uh, to the down and distance and to the score, and sometimes that can be a problem and a concern. You know, they gave up a, that third and long, kind of thing like third and whatever it was, like an eternity on a screen. But, you know, uh, I guess the, the one thing you can say is uh, they did get a little better. They're going to get better. I mean, that's – the upside, they're going to have to get better, and they're going to have to get better fast. But uh, I actually did see them make, you know, their pressures. You know, that that will help too. You know, because there is a combination between pressure and coverage. You know, if you're not going to get a lot of pressure, let me tell you this: I don't care how great you are, how good you are. Just passing games are too good in the NFL. They're eventually going to expose you. So really, as much as they're having problems in the secondary, where they can really help it is if they get better with their pressures. And I've seen this team do this before where even their pressures, you can see that they don't time things right. You know, they kind of bounce into one another. They're, they're a little late. You know, those are those are critical errors because timing is so vital and getting there um, at the right time and at the snap is so important. And they're a little late at times, which hurts them, you know, with their back end. So, you know, that, it's not just the coverage. It's a little bit of their pressures and the combination of that. Um, all that being said, they did get a little better, you know, um, from the previous week, but you still can't give up the big plays they did, and they got to be more consistent with their coverage and the pressures that they're bringing. Yeah. You know, so that we went from the good to the bad, the ugly now, the rough and the passer penalties that are uh, being uh, called and racked up right now. Uh, I get, we talked to Gene Steratore yesterday, I get that they are asking referees to just call to the letter of the law. Uh, a rule that they had sort of, you know, relegated to just being passing an eye test of what is football and what is outside the boundary of, of that. They've clearly gone too far, Merrill. Well, well I completely agree. You know, like I, I love Gene territory. He's, he's one of the best. Was one of the best. I, I love the guy. You know, I, I actually, I don't know if we ever talked about this, 
I actually started this process two years ago. If you remember when the Cam Newton um, the debate was going on, that you know Cam takes shots nobody else takes, doesn't get flags, blah blah blah. Do you remember that? Yep. Remember yep. A couple years ago now. Okay. Well, see, I, I'm looking at a machine right now that I can do this um, at any time. So I could take I could take all of Ben's passing plays up to this point and just watch all of them. So I can do that with every player in the NFL. Well. On ESPN, we were going to do this, um, oh, Cam's treated different than everybody else. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. How do you, um, first of all, do you know the rule? Because I helped write the rule. I was part of um, protecting the player, you know. Um, so I was like, and I hadn't read it in a while. So why don't we read the rule before we go say that? Long story short, um, everybody went out and said, you know, Cam's treated different than everybody else. I go in and I find on Monday – I get 800 plays, a little over 800 plays. I take Cam Newton, Alex Smith, and Phillip Rivers. I look at all of their plays, of, of, of over 800 plays that I watched from the pocket, one after the other. How many plays do you think I found that the official really botched? You know, he, he probably could have thrown a flag, could have handled it differently. Of, of, of almost 880, how many plays uh, do you think? Of Cam did? Newton? No, of all, all those guys. Together. All so, like, 20, 30? Yeah, that's, that's not bad, Randy. That's, you know, most people go higher. It was 10, okay? Three on Cam, three on um, Philip Rivers, and four on Alex Smith. Well, you set really? it up Alex. so I had to go low, Merrill, because I knew <laughs> if I went too high. So, I would have said 60. But, but, what, but what was interesting is when I got done with that, what really stood out to me, in fact, we just launched that program this year, the way to play. The way players were playing, where I'm like, man, we don't, we okay. There's 150 plays. We'll say 130, 140 plays. Special teams say 150, and there's a couple of bad plays, and that's all we focus on. When there's 148 amazing plays and players playing the game right, the one thing that stood out was Cam Newton doesn't know the rule because Cam Newton run a quarterback power get popped and stand up and throw the ball to the official like where's my flag. Well, because he does that, 65,000 fans go crazy. Um, the, 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 the announcers start talking about him taking that shot. Well, he's a runner. He's not a quarterback right. anymore. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't know the rule. But one thing that stood out was the leading and launching, like the deliberate acts that don't belong in the game. They're not taught. They're not practiced. And that's when somebody just leaves their feet and leads with the crown of their helmet, which one of them did happen to Cam Newton. Ironically, Gene Steratore was the official in that uh, game, and he flagged it. And there was another similar game where Wolf, the Denver Broncos, this is in the Denver Bronco game, hitting a tad high, but it was around the shoulder area. He takes his uh, head to the left. He tries to uh, make an art of a tackle, which is this is what has been lost in this whole process where I'm getting at. Anyway, Wolf takes, hits him into his shoulder, brings his arm around his chest, and takes him down. But he was outside the pocket. And Gene Steratore, Cam got up like, where's my flag? And Gene points to his shoulder, and he's like, he's, you know, he hit you at the shoulder, didn't hit you at the head. It's not a flag, which it wasn't a flag. So I go up and I meet with the league and Roger Goodell, and I'm like, there is one area of this whole thing that we can get rid of, and we need to get rid of, because it is not football, okay? You go watch this Sunday or any Sunday, you go watch the linebackers warm up. Watch how they warm up. Watch how their hips are down. They do these form tackling drills. They actually bring their arms and they wrap up. They actually tackle. They use their shoulder pads. What are they doing? Well, they're, they're practicing the art of tackling. That's how you tackle. 
you don't see them leading with their crown of their helmet, jumping from their um, from their feet and trying to hit you into your head. Nobody practices that. So we can get rid of it because that's a deliberate act. That does even an average trained eye can see that. And that was the whole thought process behind it. And then they took it to this other level. Um, and part of that was what happened to Aaron Rodgers. But you look at um, the one with uh, with Ben that um, um, McCoy. I, listen, I don't even have that is exactly if you took what happened to McCoy and Ben, that is actually what you want to take to players and show this is what we want to flag it. Um, you know, I can see how these players are frustrated. And listen, the burden falls on the defender anyway. So let's help him out. Because we're going to get him hurt if we're creating indecision for him. If you are trying, so what I'm saying, it's very, it really, it's quite honestly, it's a simple thing. If you are performing the art of a tackle, there is no leading and launching and leading with the crown of your helmet up around the other opponent's uh, helmet, especially at the quarterback, there should be no flag. Especially if you're wrapping up when uh, Clay Matthews, the, uh, the right. Washington game, like, come on. Come on. And listen, I didn't see him drive them. Just listen, the weight of Clay Matthews is going to take him to the ground hard. There was not a deliberate drive to the ground. Now, here's just what I'm hoping. Every week they go over this stuff, they bring it in. I'm hoping that these are great examples where they're like, these type of things we cannot be flagging. You know, it's the deliberate acts that we wanted to get rid of. And these are not deliberate acts. These are football-playing acts. Let's let them go. We've done enough to protect. You can't protect everything. Football's a tough game for tough people. All right? And we want want each other to hit each other as hard as they can. That's part of the game. A 400-yard game should be a rarity. A 400-yard passing performance should be a rarity, something to be celebrated. It should not become the norm. Well, you're right. You're right, Randy. But, you know, the way the um, the the rules – I'll tell you this, the way the rules are changed down the middle, and and this one is to protect both players. You know, you used to not throw the ball down the middle, okay, um, because in, in tight coverage, just right. you want to expose your guy. But, you know, based on how the rule is changing, listen, defenders are doing a great job of this, of, of targeting the right area with their shoulder pads, you know. They're not doing that leading and launching. Again, I go back to, I, I'm a, I am a advocate of that. That's why I went to the league and I met with them. Those are the things we need to get rid of. But, you know, everybody's yeah. got to add some layer so they can show, well, you know, I'm part of this. And it, it, that's where it gets out of control. 34 roughing the passer penalties in three weeks in the NFL. Yeah. Let, let's hope that, that that subsides a little bit because I think there was some some real, real errors this week. And I think there's great discrepancies there where you can go in and go, hey, guys, enough here. Merrill right, Hodge, we have we have to we have to jump right now, Merrill. So sorry to uh, to cut you off, no but problem. thanks so much, man. Appreciate it as always, yeah. Merrill Hodge, ladies and gentlemen, right here on your home of the Steelers, one hundred two point five DVE. Coming up, the Tomlin translator. We got Mark Madden and more DVE. This is what I never get about though: is that when every, when every older generation complains about the younger generation, it's like, you know, you did that, like you're responsible for whatever this is in in a lot of ways, right? You I'm, had a hand in getting us here. Yeah. When we were in Greenfield, this this dad I was talking to outside was like, yeah, you know, my son can't read. And, you know, I'm like, hey, that's on Yins. Like, teach my kid how to read. And I was like, what grade is your kid in? He's like, 
Third. What I'm saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He's 27. Read your kid a book. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Jeff Conkle on the show with us there uh, earlier this morning, Mr. Wednesday. On the way for you tomorrow, uh, local comics Alex, Alex Stapula, John Dick Winters, they'll be here. And uh, our favorite roommates that are no longer roommates. No longer roommates. What? Plus, we have PFT commenter on the show tomorrow. Still to come today, Mark Madden. We have the uh, the Tomlin translator. Hey, the Ramble is back this Friday night at the Rex Theater. Uh, we've got like twenty five uh, local musicians together on stage. This is oh, that's awesome. The sixth year of doing these, I think, or seventh year of doing these. Some it shows just seems are like it's awesome. always been. Yeah, this is the longest we've gone between shows. So uh, very much looking forward to this one. Clinton Clegg from the Common Heart, Mike Binda, guitar player from the Common Heart, will be on stage all night. Zub uh, as your musical director. Jim Donovan. Will from, there be a 360 Zub cam? Possibly. Possibly. We need that. The uh, Yes. Side Zub, as somebody said in a, in a comment to me. Uh, <laughs> Jim Donovan is going to be on drums all night, along with Mark Martinka. Uh, and uh, also... Jen Wirtz is going to be performing that night. Addie Twig, Molly Alphabet, Chet Vincent, Andre awesome. Costello, uh, Joshua Bannett from Meeting of Important People is going to be there. There is a, an Aretha tribute section of the set. And Weird Paul and the Weird Paul Band are opening up the show. This is a perfect opportunity to see Weird Paul. Pot of macaroni. You, it's Pot like macaroni. going to Kennywood, Randy Land, yeah. riding the incline, watching a Seaback documentary, experiencing a Weird Paul show is part of uh, attaining all of your Pittsburgh bona fides. It's a huge draw. Yeah. So I, I honestly, I credit these rambles for me rediscovering local music in Pittsburgh because I, I went to the first ramble and discovered all all these people that I ended Somebody up going, yeah. following and listening to. I mean, I think that that was the first place I saw Clinton Clegg ever uh-huh. perform. You know, the first place I ever saw Andre Costello perform. Yep. Kayla Skirman is going to be there. Jimbo Jackson, Morgan Arena. It's a packed house, and it's a, it's a really fun show. This one's going to rock a little bit more. This one's, uh, you know, normally they're kind of like based on the band and moving on. There's, I don't even think there's a band song in this one. So uh, everybody kind of picks songs that were a little more, uh, uh, it's like a rock and soul review. Friday night at I the Rex Theater. Get your tickets in advance at Ticketfly.com for the Ramble this Friday night. What's up, Val? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Center 11. It's 66 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Bill Cosby is waking up in jail this morning and is already having a tough time Camille! in prison. Just hours after his sentencing on Tuesday, Cosby was allowed a brief phone call to his wife, Camille. Radar Online is reporting. (laughs) According to a source, he complained that officials took his cane, his tie, and his shoelaces because they think he might harm himself. The insider adding that he said he had a stale hot dog bun thrown at him, and he fell down a few steps because he wasn't being guided. Of course, we mentioned earlier, he is legally blind. Cosby also allegedly told Camille to hire anyone who could get him out as soon as possible. (laughs) That's very vague. Nick Cage. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I, I don't don't think he's going to find himself uh, uh, anybody to, to spring him anytime soon. I don't think a helicopter is going to come in. Camille, see if the predator is available to get me out of jail. Sean Penn and Pacino do a Carlito's Way rescue. I don't think I don't see it happening. You get know, the expendables. His roommate's probably like, hey man, 
Stop calling me Camille. Like, <laughs> you know, he's just everybody he sees, like it's a prison guard or somebody, he just calls him people and is like, Rudy, the thing is, I'm not done eating yet. I can't go back to my room. He's trying to, like, tell, give lessons to the Chicanos. I told you, my name is La Carpetron Duke Marriott, <laughs> and you will refer to me by my government name. Camille, turn off the lights. <laughs> I can't believe he's in jail. Cannot believe Bill Cosby is in jail. Never it thought I'd bizarre. see the day. I mean, you look back at the Cosby show and just a beloved, wonderful man. But a lot of like a lot of stand up comics always felt like he was looking down at them and wagging Judgmental. his finger. Well he yeah. was. Beyond stand ups. I mean he I mean he told the, you know, African American kids across the country. Oh yeah, that's constantly right. Constantly scolded them. I remember, didn't he do like a school tour or something where he was talking about like eating healthy? Pulling up your pants. Pulling your pants up. I just, the thing about the pulling the pants down thing, I mean, I don't care. It's one word. I, I, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. If you it want to does do annoy that. me it now. Amazes now. Me I can't. know how old I am. It does annoy you? Yeah. I'm just impressed by it. Yes, that they can keep their pants on. There it was a guy. can't be comfortable. Anytime my pants slip below my waistline a little <laughs> bit, I'm like, ah, oh, this, is, this isn't comfortable. I saw. Who walks around like that? I saw a guy in Oakland the other day. He was walking down Myron, down the hill. And I'm like, looking at, I'm, I'm like in traffic and he's walking down the hill and they're at mid-thigh, and I'm thinking, How do you dude, do- he's going downhill. These are going to be at his ankles before he gets past the uh, Peace, Love, and Donuts, you know? And then he keeps walking, and I'm like, how the hell? you got to dedicate one hand to You have to walk like you ran out of toilet paper, and you're running to the closet <laughs> to get some. you got to I mean, do that Charlie Chaplin waddle. Really far apart to right. keep them up. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin waddle. <laughs> side side. Everybody looks like Charlie Chaplin when they have to do the, the toilet paper dance. And now when I'm at the mall, like I took my girls to the mall the other night, and we're seeing kids that are that are sagging halfway down their legs, and it's skinny jeans. So it's yeah, like I've seen that. They're actually just not going anywhere. You <laughs> are can't get them up. specifically pulling them to that level. <laughs> just and that's giving it. up. So are they just like like the skinny jeans would be tighter? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So I mean they they can yeah. It it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, like the big have jeans, like- I feel like sagging when I was a kid in the nineties. Everything was so baggy was slouch. that it was a natural progression of your jeans weighed seventy five pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like if you didn't have a belt, they would fall down around your ankles. I mean, we have to. I'm sorry, Val. That's okay. Uh, showers and thunderstorms <laughs> possible mid 70s for your the high today. <laughs> That's news. It's uh, it's a 68 a DVE. So it's time for the Tomlin translator. This is a device that we had developed over there from the nerds at CMU to uh, uh, get to the subtext. Nerds don't sag. Of Mike Tomlin's answers to questions asked during his weekly press conference yesterday's press conference held just 12 hours after the win in tampa bay and so let's get right to it and uh, hear what uh coach had to say there was uh, a question i don't know who asked this this was uh, about all of the roughing the the penalty or uh, roughing the passer passer, penalties and if they have somehow like practice not doing that or how do they how do they avoid doing that that specific penalty you're not gonna have guys hit ben or hit josh or hit 
Mason and look at it on tape and say, hey, you can't do that. I mean, how do you, so how do you sort of clean that up when you can't practice it? There's, you don't practice face mask or not face masking in a practice like setting. Okay, let's put that through the translator. You don't practice not asking stupid questions, but you still do it anyway. <laughs> All right. There's that. Oh, poor kid. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I think this is uh, maybe Benzie asking about the penalties. You have been pretty close to your opponent each week, but now there's a disparity between you and the next highest team in the NFL. How do you evaluate that looking at whether or not you've been accurately penalized or... Uh, again, it's much too early in the season for me to paint with a broad brush and look at global things. I've just been focusing on the stadiums that we've been in, and it's been pretty balanced. Yeah, he just says that you know it's all about their opponent. The... Luckily for us, the teams we played the first three weeks didn't have their together either. My hope is that as the year progresses, nobody will ever have their together. That's the plan. That's <laughs> it. I don't know if that's a complete plan, but they're going to go with it. Uh, and then uh, he was asked about the special teams penalty on Darius Hayward Bay late in the game. That could have been very costly. Was one of those emotional penalties that you were referring to, DHB, at the end? And what, if anything, did you say to him about taking that one? I didn't say anything to him um, because I I know DHB. and I, We talked about it after. Uh, but again, it's less significant. We get an opportunity to talk about it after perspective changes and all of those things. The all game right. was over. Let's put it through the Tomlin translator. If that penalty would have cost us the game, I would have renamed him Darius Hayward. You please get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the defense, it looked like they were blitzing a lot. Mike, did you send more people more frequently after the quarterback than you had done in the first two games? I hadn't looked at the self-scout analysis in terms of the raw numbers, but we were within our personality. Okay. That personality being, of course, a team that almost lost with a 20-point lead because our defense is terrible. All right, yeah, and part of that is, uh, you know, shows up in the rotation of cornerback situation they got going on. When you talk about the rotation of cornerback, is that sort of a – hot hand thing or is that a set strict by series thing or how do you decide who is it? I'm not going to frame it. We'll play it by ear. I don't want to box myself in. All right, through the uh, translator. But if I was boxed in, in an actual box, Artie Burns and Cody Sensabaugh still couldn't cover me. (laughs) (laughs) Funny and true. They couldn't cover a box? I mean, I think they could. I, I, I see this is sometimes I think the Tomlin translator goes it's it's incorrect. Yeah, I think they we have to we have to send this back. It's like GPS. Yeah, it's you know, I think the box just sits there, it yeah, doesn't move. They right? have to be able to cover a box. What's in the box? I contend that Cody Sensenbaugh can cover a box in a mobile box that just sits there. So let's let's take this in for a tune up. All right, uh of course everybody's asking about Boswell. Any level of concern with Boswell? No. Um, you know, he's a heck of a kicker. He's our kicker. I am concerned about the ball not going in, <laughs> but I'm uh, not concerned about him. Okay. Through the translator. If you prepaid a chef for a 16-course meal, and every time he brought out another dish he dropped it on your pants, eventually you get too hungry to wait and see if he can get it right, and you get another kicker at the drive-thru on the way home. Yeah, so eventually... <laughs> It may come to that, but not not yet. Not yet. 
red zone uh, improvements in the red zone. Uh, uh, <laughs> Benzie starts asking him this question, and uh, Tomlin. That's for Baltimore. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Like looking ahead, he's talking about their improvements in the red zone, and uh, but didn't really get to a question here, right? Like when you said uh, you don't want to rely on familiar notions as it relates to the Ravens, is one of those aspects their improvement in the red zone? I don't. I think I read somewhere they haven't had a dry trip in the red zone yet. They've been pretty efficient there. So what's your question? Oh well, there you go. Let's put that through. I am not here to shoot the with Tim Benz. This isn't Buffalo Wild Wings, and I am not a bartender. He's got a thing against Benz, doesn't he? And apparently, well, maybe Buffalo Wild. No, no, I mean, no. He's, uh, he was asked about Anthony Chicolo's contributions. Is Chic- Chicolo's playing time more function of a kind of reward for him and what he's done, or is that more to keep guys fresh? Or what's... he's varsity, and so we're gonna play varsity guys. We have terrible linebackers. <laughs> Vince Williams couldn't drop back and cover a dish. What if it was in a box? I don't know. I, I, yeah, you might have been able to cover the box. Are you asked about Vance McDonald? Like, is this what you thought you would get from Vance McDonald when healthy? Yes. Yes. No. No. I never thought he'd play a down for us. I forgot he was on the team. So, no. No. And then, uh, now. Uh, <laughs> How did the sea back no slip in there? The Tomlin Translator. No. It's learning. See, this is artificial intelligence. Yep. Getting They're too taking smart. over. It's getting too smart for Rise us. Rise of the machines. The Tomlin Translator. It's becoming intuitive. He was asked about Jordan Berry. Jordan Berry, you kind of you know, publicly expressed your dissatisfaction. You know, guys brought in things like that. Keep him bouncing back. Did he handle that well? Uh, keep watching. You know, I like some of the things that happened last night, but, you know, we got to we gotta build that day by day. Okay. I am not calling him Jordan until he has two good games in a row. <laughs> until then, he's Dingle. Dingleberry. <laughs> Feekner came up with that one. Well, okay, there you go. The Tomlin translator gets to the meat <laughs> of the meaning of what Coach Tomlin had to say to reporters at his weekly press conference. When we come back, Mike pursued a more excerpts from Coach's uh, uh, presser. Also, Mark Madden next hour. want to remind you, your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week is Bella Luna in Bella Luna in Murraysville. Two fifty Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Bella Luna in Murraysville. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, Mike. Sports are brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. Uh, just to be clear, uh, we've talked a lot about the roughing the passer today and uh, Mike Tomlin's take that it's not very watchable in terms of providing entertainment value to football games on TV. That said, the Steelers are not happy with the amount of penalties they're taking, and they are not blaming uh, the point of emphasis on roughing the passer. They know they've got a lot of stuff to clean up, that they're taking too many penalties. Mike Tomlin addressed that yesterday. Cam Hayward addressed it Monday night in Tampa. You kind of be smart. Um, and, you know... With a win like this, we can talk about it and you know learn from it. Um, but uh, you, you gotta, we gotta clean up these penalties. Um, it's unacceptable. Uh, you just gotta. The cooler heads are gonna pre- prevail. You know, uh, can't get our rhythm. We understand that uh, 
they're looking at more of the rough in the passer things, but we just got to be smart. We can't hit guys out of bounds. We can't hit play guys after the play. Um, and we got to learn. We got to get better on all three, all three sides because, uh, you know, we've had penalties all around and we got to clean that up. Two dumbest ones I thought were the Darius Hayward Bay bitching about the five yard penalty that eliminated the punt down to the one yard line and uh, Sean Davis. Sean Davis. Pushing Mike Evans out of bounds. For what? Dumb, dumb. What is dumb. that accomplishing? That was so dumb. It and was like he. He had to no. He, he was just completion. frustrated, yeah. and he knew it was going to get a penalty, and did it anyways. That was just see. That's where the undisciplined cries come out. Yeah, and that is uh, that's what an that accurate is. accusation <laughs> in those instances. Mm-hmm. And so. Dangerfield on the first kickoff. What are you doing? Well, every kickoff, every kicking play. Um, yeah, the, the special teams are a mess right now. Yeah, six penalties for. 75 yards on special teams. That's that's a good game's worth for all three phases. And they let up a kick return for a touchdown, a punt return punt for return. a touchdown that was called back on a penalty that may not have had a whole lot to do with the play. Special teams needs to be revamped in a big way going in against Baltimore. You know, it, it's funny because I always have this, like, Monday night, I'm like, this is a must win. I mean, we got to win this game. We have can't, to. Can't go two and one. Now I look at this weekend and I'm like, well, I mean, it's the Ravens in the division. You can't lose a division. Must game. win. They're all must wins. Oh, no, we got to win out. It's very important. <laughs> very <laughs> rarely do you actually look at a game and go, it doesn't matter. Their clearest path to the playoffs is win their division, which is going to be uh, tough. Which should be easier, I think, than making a wild card. It would have been a lot easier if they would have beat the Browns in Week One when they were Bakerless. But they didn't lose to the Browns. That's true. So, no, the Browns didn't lose to them. Win the rest of them and you're fine. That's true. Long as you long as you're in that the rest of the division games, then you should have an advantage over everybody else. Um, you will, and you just have to wait and see how the other stuff works out. But uh, there's a lot of that special team stuff going around. Uh, we can uh, transition a little bit to the Ravens here. Um, Baltimore is traditionally one of the best uh, kicking game units in the league. Uh, the head coach John Harbaugh came up as a special teams coach. He always harps on it. They're always very good at it. Uh, last Sunday against Denver, the Ravens had a punt blocked and a field goal blocked in the same game. They still won the game 27-14, but a punt blocked and a field goal blocked in the same game. And they also debuted a new kickoff return guy. Uh, they were not happy with uh, the way the ball was being handled uh, by Janarius Grant in uh, the first couple games, so uh, he got cut, and they're going with a rookie, Tim White, as the kickoff returner. Uh, it's uncharacteristic to see the Ravens struggling on special teams, but they are. Well, wasn't one of those blocks another point of contention with the uh, with the refs this week that they shouldn't have been uh, like the defender gaining an advantage that they're not allowed to have anymore by ju- like jumping or anticipating the kick? It was a leap over. Now, what it looked like to me was it, the guy, I forget the guy's name who blocked it, but he kind of jumped between the center and the guard as opposed to directly over the center. As James Lofton explained it on the broadcast, if you don't touch one of the offensive linemen, that's allowed. I don't know if that's correct or not. So if you they were, Bob Hayes it, you're good to go. Baltimore was fuming about it. Uh, the guy came right up the middle and blocked it. They ran it back for a touchdown, but there was an illegal block, so it wasn't a touchdown, but it was a blocked field goal. Uh, it's 
it's different that Baltimore is struggling on special teams. It's also different uh, in the guys that the Ravens have uh, for Joe Flacco. They remade their receiving core in the span of one offseason. And according to Mike Tomlin, that's made uh, the Ravens a traditional division rival and a team that traditionally plays the same kind of game. It's made the Ravens uh, somewhat unrecognizable. I just think more than anything else, man, this early in the year when you got so many new components, man, there's an element of the unknown. Uh, people are trying to figure out how to match up against them, how, how the new key components are going to divide the labor and who to minimize situationally. And I think sometimes when you go through transition, um, it is a positive for you because people are trying to figure out what it is that you do. Um, I don't want to take anything away from them. They've, they've been highly successful. But when you start talking about Mike Crabtree is new, John Brown is new, Willie Sneed is new, you know, um, it's an adjustment for those who, who compete against them as well. Not only an adjustment for them in terms of gaining continuity, uh, it's an adjustment for those who compete against them. Tim yeah. White is new. Yeah, those guys that uh, they mentioned, Brown, Crabtree, and Sneed. Brown from Arizona, Crabtree from Oakland, and Sneed from New Orleans. New targets for Joe Flacco. They drafted two tight ends in the first three rounds. Hayden Hurst from South Carolina hasn't played yet because of a foot injury. He was the number one pick. And they got uh, one of Baker Mayfield's targets from Oklahoma, Mike Andrews. Uh, He is just starting to emerge uh, as a a pretty good down-the-field weapon for Joe Flacco and the Ravens. Uh, They are 12 for 12 in the red zone, guys. Their first team in NFL history to open a season with 12 successful red zone trips in a row. Well, the deed... Did a decent job against Tampa this week in in holding them the three. Much better, yeah. Got in, a turnover in the, in the red zone. That was huge. Yeah, that was big. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, that was their best red zone performance uh, for the Steelers defense. But uh, Joe Flacco can still sling it. Uh, he's got some guys that uh, apparently are a little better than they had last year. And it's uh, 97 points through three games for Baltimore. How many take the, the over have? once again? Take the over. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong, Mr. Crawford. It's the way the game's. It's almost Ozzie Smith. This is his last year. He finally figured out this is a passing league, and maybe we should get in on the fun. Hey, let's try some of that passing game stuff. See how that works. Remarkable. He's got this job as long as he has. Yeah. Well, he's always built a good team. They just they've done it with defense and the kicking game, and. Um, now they they can do it with offense, and they can do it Sunday night. Flacco's still a great down the field thrower. He's elite. Steelers really defend that well. Oh wait, no, they haven't stopped it yet. Ooh, well, geez. see what they can do Sunday night. Steelers Ravens this Sunday night. They're going to need you there, Steeler fans. But if you can't be there, you can listen to it here on your radio home of the Steelers DVE. Our coverage begins at four p.m. leading up to the eight twenty kickoff Sunday night. Oh, good, another late kickoff. We return home. One one and one to take on the two and one Ravens. Mike Pursuit will be one of those uh, wins against Buffalo when they were playing Nathan Peterman. So that gets an asterisk. Asterisk. And an asterisk. I think it was forty seven three, so that has skewered Baltimore stats to a degree, but should be fun. They didn't have to deal with that juggernaut Josh Allen. No. Steelers, Ravens, Sunday night football here in the Berg. And you can hear it here 
on your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DV. Um. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Bill Crawford. And guys, you know, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> the, the, the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Fantasy Football Challenge is back. It's oh, back? I did better this week. What'd you do? Uh, I still, I'm, I think I'm like in the middle of the pack. You took the Steelers defense? No, I did not. No. 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 <laughs> well, you can play now at dv.com and the grand prize for week four is a $100 Steelers Pro Shop gift card. Head to dve.com for rules and registration. You have to submit a lineup by 12:55 Sunday. Are I'm going to take Crabtree this week. I always forget oh, yeah. to play. Yeah, see, last week I had Vance McDonald and he did nothing. No. I dumped him this week, but I did have Travis Kelsey on you the dumped, team. You dumped him this week? Mm-hmm. What? All right, well, you pick him back up for... Th- I th- I... He's never going to do that again, guys. He's probably out for the year. That was it. That was the game <laughs> for him. <laughs> I hope One you're and wrong. Done. I hope you're wrong. Me too. Val, tell me about this new TV show that's coming on this A Million Little Things. I don't really it's, know. What it, all right, about. so it's like This well, Is then, Us. It's like Somebody tell us about that. It's... Yeah. From the commercials I've seen, it seems like a combination of This Is Us and 13 Reasons Why. Oh, no. So why do people love sad television? Um, I I don't know. It's cathartic, maybe. You get your, you cry it out. You want to feel something? Yeah. There's enough sad things on television. There's enough sad I don't know. things all this, at least all everywhere. The sad stuff is new. Well, and the commercial for the uh, A Million Little Things television show it looked like that was set in pittsburgh too because it looked like they were at a football game twirling terrible towels is pittsburgh the new go-to place for sad stories i think not no but i don't understand this looks like he's in a boston jersey it is it's boston i have no idea saturday night live is coming back also after what's that show about it's really sad (laughs) it is Probably, yeah, if you listen to Chevy Chase, it's sad. Chevy Chase gave an interview recently. Uh, was it New York Magazine that he did that interview with? Where he basically said, uh, since he left Saturday Night Live, it's the worst effing humor <laughs> ever. And he said, Lauren should know better. And that doesn't exactly endear him to anybody over at 30 Rock. And I he, think they should put him back on Weekend Update and he should just start it by saying, I'm Chevy Chase and thank God you're not. And just have him talk. He says the dumbest things all the time. Well, he's accused well, he's of... He's crusty. Oh, he's a crusty old man. He is. But I wanted him to and be he, he so much different. Like cells. Bill Murray? He, well, yeah, like Bill a Murray. A lot of those guys aged way better. I mean, I think Aykroyd's a mess. It was the Washington Post, by the way. It wasn't New York Magazine. Dan Aykroyd's going to be at the uh, liquor store and at the waterfront. In Homestead. He, <laughs> Why? He's been in town, I think, filming something because he did another one. Oh, did he? Yeah. I think it's this Friday. He's uh, signing his his uh, vodka bottles. Oh, I, I thought you he, meant he's know. just going to be there because he's, he's just buying, an alcoholic. stocking up. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he said a bunch of racist things <laughs> to Donald Glover. And Chevy Chase did. Chevy Chase. And, uh, you know, that was his co-star on Community at the time. And then Lauren invited him to the episode that Donald Glover hosted. And Chevy, you would think after having said, you know, something controversial in the past, would steer clear of anything like that. But when he saw Donald Glover, he said, uh, that guy 
turned uh, white so fast I can't effing believe it. It's not really that racist. <laughs> I expect more from him. <laughs> you, expect, you expect something even more racist. Yeah. Well, I watched Chevy on the new Norm MacDonald show. I always wanted to like Chevy. I wanted him to be the guy from Fletch. I wanted him to be the guy. In you my- wanted him to be Fletch. You wanted him yeah. to be Clark W. Griswold. Right. And, Sorry. you know, I never knew any of that stuff till Stern started talking about it back in the day, about what a... Bad guy he is. Yeah, just disliked and sad, miserable person he is. Well, some of the things in this interview in the Washington Post revealed, you know, it was always assumed he had this very privileged Upper East Side upbringing, upbringing and went to, like all of the best schools and boarding schools and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out he was, like, horribly abused as a kid by his mom. And oh. she would lock him, like, in the basement without food as a punishment for stuff, like, for a long time. Mm-hmm. You're not coming out of there until you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mom, will let me out right now. But I had posted this Washington Post article last week and hadn't got really around to talking to the media, uh, talking about like all of this. Mm-hmm. But he dislikes everybody. He thinks Will Ferrell's not funny. That's just crazy. He talk. thinks blasphemy. He said, uh, "Kristen Wiig, I like her a lot. She had two things going for her. She had clear cut chops and she was pretty. But what happened to her? <laughs> oh my! Where'd God. she go? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like a YouTube comment section internet troll. <laughs> what about Eddie Murphy? I thought Eddie Murphy was funny. Gumby, I found that funny. People love that. Stevie Wonder, he did well. <laughs> Not that hard for bleep's sake. Your skin color is the same. Just put on some sunglasses and do it. <laughs> Dear Lord, this is what Chevy Chase is saying. This is Babe Ruth overrated, complete insanity. Not that great at no, baseball. You know what he loved though was uh, he, he loved Dana Carvey. He thought Dana Carvey was brilliant, as most everyone did. Accurate. Yeah, and Carvey said that he called him when Carvey lost his show. Chevy left a message for him. He said he was the only person who left a voicemail, and I hadn't seen him in years. He said, "You're great. You're brilliant. You will work." He gave me a pep talk. Out of the blue in a very sweet way. He's about the only person who has anything nice to say about Chevy Chase. Will Farrell. Will Farrell. Have you ever heard Will Farrell say anything bad about anybody? Never. Will, Will Farrell said he was the worst host they ever had. <laughs> I, I just so badly wish he was not the guy that he apparently is. The least likable amigo. He said that the oh well that amigo movie I mean God you know they sat around writing that uh, Lauren Michaels Randy Newman and Steve Martin and they just wrote Chevy lines in there and then Chevy said he ad libbed a couple of things but other than that yeah that movie still holds up I think I think it's great but you read any of those books the Tom Shales book about Saturday Night Live uh, and uh, there was another one. What's the live from New York? Is that just like the oral history of it? Yes, li- the complete interviews. uncensored history yeah. of Saturday Night Live. The those books do not paint him in a good light. Terry Sweeney said that he was the biggest bigot in the world and said all these homophobic things to him all the week. Terry was the first openly gay cast member at SNL. Do you uh, ever see his roast? It's his brutal. roast is is brutal. Yeah. But it seems like everybody's miring and how awful of a person Chevy Chase is and just kind of like wondering why. None of it really makes sense. But he, look, he lost his timing. His timing was so good in those early movies. In the Caddyshack, yeah. it, you know, in the Caddyshacks, in 
um, Fletch in Family Vacation. Like they were, he was so funny. You can check him out on the new Norm Macdonald show. Norm Macdonald has a show on Netflix. If you're not too mad at Norm Macdonald, a lot of people jumped off the Norm Macdonald bandwagon. I think Norm just said some dumb things. I also like. I'm not abandoning Norm Macdonald. I I always thought he was the funniest guy ever. I think he said some thoughtless things because a lot of times, also Norm works from the counterintuitive. He works from the contrarian standpoint and goes the other way. Mm-hmm. Like you know. That's his starting point, and uh, I think he was careless and thoughtless, but if you like Norm MacDonald, that show is great. If you don't like Norm MacDonald, you will hate it. Oh, you know what I checked out? I just started watching, and I only got you know an hour through it because I had other stuff going on. Quincy. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. How fun- is it good? It, it's good. It's and, so good. And also kind of funny, I think. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. He has so many kids. He has... <laughs> I don't know how he remembers all their names. <laughs> dude. There's just like a a rotating lazy Susan of daughters coming into the house. Val, every 15 minutes in the documentary, they show scenes from another party at Quincy's house and introduce you to like five more daughters. <laughs> right. It's like does uh, he have any sons? I don't. Uh, I think he has maybe one. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if he dropped a Y. He's got like, or maybe he just like you know gets along better with the daughters because they are all around him. Oh, he has look. He's got a team. There's no doubt about it. But it's real. I love that documentary. Not I only got because to the part where the <laughs> the ex-wife talks about the infidelity. She goes, "There was just so much there was infidelity. Just a lot of it. There's just a great <laughs> so amount much. of women, which indicates that she had an acceptable level. But he blew way past that." <laughs> Val's got news next. Um, We're going to talk about the one thing that really pisses all of us off when we're shopping. Mark Madden joining us, 945. Berg. The thing about the the pants down thing, I'm just impressed by it. Yes, that they can keep their pants on. It can't be comfortable. Anytime my pants slip below my waistline a little (laughs) bit, I'm like, ah, this this isn't comfortable. I saw... Who walks around like that? I saw a guy in Oakland the other day. He was walking down Myron, down the hill, and I'm like... Looking at, I'm I'm like in traffic and he's walking down the hill and they're at mid thigh and I'm thinking, How do you dude, do- he's going downhill. These are going to be at his ankles before he gets past the uh, peace, love, and donuts, you know. And then he keeps walking and I'm like, How the hell? You got to dedicate one hand. To you have to up walk like you ran out of toilet paper and you're running to the closet <laughs> to get some. You got to I mean, do yeah, that Charlie Chaplin waddle. Really far apart to right. keep them up. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin waddle. <laughs> side side. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Oh, it's a Steeler Wednesday, Val. Do you feel the excitement? I feel it. It's palpable. Down in my plums. <laughs> Not that weird, but like <laughs> pretty excited. All right. But the James Harrison comments concerning Le'Veon Bell, we're going to get to those after Val's news. What a what a bonehead. What a maroon. What an ultra maroon. An ignoramus, if you will. <laughs> Valerie, what do you got? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Central by the 11. way, if James Harrison is listening, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> totally joking. Totally joking. Great, Great. You, Nice guy. Good, nice nice good, man. Good parent. Nice, nice man. <laughs> it's uh, 68 degrees now at DVE. A movie theater could be coming to downtown Pittsburgh. The director of Pittsburgh Cultural Trust says the organization is raising funds to build inside the former Bally's on 6th Street near oh, the good. Renaissance. Yeah. 
Uh, Pittsburgh Tribune Review reporting the organization is planning to start demolition inside the building, but won't begin construction until they have another $3 million in private donations. What will become of the Bally's, though? Where will all those people go? Where will all the meatheads go? I don't know. Every hotel downtown has a gym. True. You don't need to go to the Bally's. Isn't no. there one over by Market Square? Is there? Like right on the oh, corner. Oh, yeah, right. It's like on the second floor. Is that a Gold's Gym? I'm yeah, not sure it, what it, it is. It was. I don't think yeah. it is anymore. Not, it's probably Where a- can I go in my spaghetti uh, strap tank top to, to chug some weights? Speaking of that... <laughs> Chug weights. A new study says exercise, even just a little, improves memory. Scientists from the University of California, Irvine, had test subjects do 10 minutes of light exercise like yoga or walking every day. They found that even that modest amount of low-impact exercise enhances communication between the regions of the brain that store and recall memories. So Doesn't, doesn't working out, like, isn't the... Uh, the goal to get more oxygen to your brain? Don't know. Can't you just bypass the working out and just get an oxygen mask? <laughs> My goal in working out is to uh, run off all the beer. And that's pretty much it. And allow me to create space for all of the food that I'm going to eat, which is a lot. Yeah, somebody educated my daughter about beer bellies, and now that's all she says to me. Because <laughs> every time she grabs my belly, I go, say goodbye to that belly. She goes, you've been saying that for three years. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beer belly. Yeah, but kids think anything that is not like, you know, the super flat stomach without an ounce of fat. They burn 8 billion calories every day. True. They have AB body fat. Right. And and a lot of the times their nutrition is garbage. I know. God, they, they just, eat Doritos they, for breakfast. They have the metabolism of a hummingbird. Remember how great that was when you'd be like, you ate lunch, but then an hour and a half later, there was, for some reason, there'd be like a bunch of pizzas somewhere. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to have nine pizzas right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the best And feeling. not feel any no. different like, afterwards. I'm going to go run now. And I you just ran had... for no reason. Oh yeah, because yeah, you yeah. just I'm gonna I'm gonna go over there, but I'm running. You know something funny? My my niece who is now like 18, uh, when she was a baby, she did this. My current nephew who is like seven does this. They run in the house and touch walls. They go boom like this OCD thing where they like go back and forth and they're perfectly happy and they like run laps in the house. Like that's how much energy they're burning. Damn. And also they have like a weird you know probably uh, uh, you know latent OCD that's coming out there but they they just run in the house over and over and that's great for the parents too because they're get they're getting the cardio from the anxiety attack that they're having <laughs> stop touching my walls stop touching my walls oh my. I don't remember this as a kid but I feel like kids now all they do is run and scream no that's just you're old really yeah but I don't remember being I don't even 10 years ago I don't remember that from kids well, because one of the favorite things to do is to chase. And if you chase, then somebody's got to be a monster. And if you're a monster, then that's kind of scaring half the kids. You know what I mean? So there's where the running and the screaming comes yeah. in. <laughs> that's why there are some restaurants that are Come like, get me. no kids. Ah! Yeah. I mean, all day. Well, I think about that. Chase like, me I'd, again. I'd have to have earplugs if I was uh, a parent because <laughs> my ears are- I think- cannot take the screams i think you just oh well physically no yeah yeah because of the tinnitus yeah i will immediately be set off into a <laughs> in my head 
Oh, well, then you definitely could never carry your kids up to bed because they like to scream right in your ear. <laughs> right in your ear. I'll do, I'll do it back to them. I mean, if that happens, uh, I mean, it's a war at that point. Oh, really? How do you like it? Uh, these 3D printing stories just, I am so amazed at the things that they can do. I Is anybody else? Did you see the guy who was like fighting on behalf of 3D guns is now going to 3D jail? Yeah, well, well, he's going to real jail. Uh, And this is a better story. A nine-year-old dachshund named Patches has a brand new skull. The dog was suffering from a cancerous tumor that threatened her brain and eyes. Veterinarians in Ontario were able to print a new 3D skull and How put it in place cost? right after the tumor was removed. The new part replaces about 70 part of the dog's existing skull. I'm going to go into Staples today and be like, you guys have any uh, inkjet s- skull? Printers? I ran out of skull. Hold on, I got to go to Kinko's. <laughs> We're out of skulls. I don't. I have no idea how it works. People have tried to explain it to me. I cannot grasp. And how long does it take? Yeah, that's a good point too. Like, it looks like if you've ever well, neither of you watch Westworld, but in the beginning, just like these computers are are you know weaving back and forth, creating the mush the muscle for a human body, and it, it looks like if you've ever seen Weird a three D printer, yes, it's pretty much Kelly LeBrock. I mean, there's definitely two dudes wearing bras on their head. That's what it is in a bedroom somewhere. <laughs> okay, now I understand. Yeah. Apparently, fall is the hot new wedding season. Most time, uh, most popular time of the year to get married has always been May and June. So hot. But according to a new report from wedding planning website, Wedding Wire, fall is quickly becoming the new hot wedding season. One in three taking place in the fall. Three most popular wedding months now are October, September, and June. They say the reason is the fall color scheme makes a better wedding Pumpkin. Color scheme and no, spice matrimony. No, you know what? The, the weather num- is more comfortable. That's what it is. The weather. And it's less expensive. Being hot in a suit or a dress at a wedding and you can't get out of it, that's the worst feeling. Yeah. Whatever, nice dude. And- I'm in it for the burnt orange cummerbunds. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I got a wedding coming up this week, and I'm very excited for the cookie, you? cookie table, dude. Oh, yeah. Is there anything better than the cookie table at a Pittsburgh wedding? And why hasn't that taken on a national trend? Like, why don't... don't uh, why why don't... isn't there a place just called the cookie table where you go in and get an assorted variety of homemade cookies? Probably somewhere. I mean, you can do that at any of the bakeries yourself. I'm Ye- talking, like, exclusive. The cookie table? Yeah. Pitzel's. The bat, you know, like, do you go right to the cookie table or do you wait? Sometimes uh, they wait to unveil it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always yeah. in the room. Right. And then they unlock the doors and you're yeah. like, there it is. Right. The best they part is. They keep it locked up like the fentanyl in the, uh, in the <laughs> hospital. They don't let just anybody at that. The, the bags, the doggy bags, the, the cookie bags. Yeah. The absolute best. Waking up best the gift. day after a wedding <laughs> and like shrugging off a little bit of a hangover with a coffee and about 100 grams of sugar did they always do the the cookie bags because i I remember my mom 
taken the to-go folded up napkin before that that was a thing no she would bring her own zipper ziploc, ziploc freezer baggy freezer bag when we were kids we used to do this thing at the polish falcons on sunday it was called the galumki heist i don't know why so it was like only once a month they would do it and there was these buffets and it looked like a wedding basically so you would go and you got your table would get called all right so you say you're at table 12 they did bingo to and that's how you knew who got to go up. So they do bingo balls. They're like, ah, 12. And then you would go. Okay. So there was booing that would go on. <laughs> like people get really mad if their table was like falling down the line. And there was accusations of people cheating or whatever. Like there was. <laughs> the there fix way, is in. Yeah, the fix is in. Because once you got you to the ball. You waited all the balls so like, yours would come out. When it was gone, it was gone. So my dad's cousin, who he, he always kind of, he never came out and said it, but he always thought he was like, they're kind of dirt balls. And, but his dad's cousin, well, maybe not dirt balls, but I don't know. Uh, Jagoffs. My dad's cousin's wife would line her purse with a Ziploc bag and go through the line. Line her whole purse. Line and, the purse and put, like, with a Ziploc bag. Stuffed cabbage in there? And fried chicken. <laughs> and meatballs. Oh so that she would, she'd put one on her plate, one in the purse because then she had it to go but like we thought we're like that is that's kind of brilliant in a way that is kind of brilliant but But also trashy totally but like (laughs) you know the cookie table they want you to take it home yes at the Polish Falcons they did not want you to steal the chicken from the buffet so it was a you know it was a big scandal now I want buffet fried chicken could have unfolded there one time my mom was holding her purse and somebody came up to hug her and she was like, no, get off of me. You're smushing the cookies. <laughs> she has like a whole purse full of pitzels. Ten cents. These things are brittle. Ten cents Schmitz drafts. Schmitz. At, at Polish Falcons. Wow. Schmitz gay? No, no, no. Just Schmitz. Oh. No. Yeah. Schmitz gay is Those one clubs of my favorite loggers. Cheapest. Oh, yeah. You go Drinks. duck pin bowling, ten cent drafts, and then do the Glumke heist. The Galumki heist sounds like Urban Dictionary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody robbed a porta potty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look up the, the Urban Dictionary definition of Galumki heist. Uh, rapper Lil Xan, who I've never heard of, but I, it doesn't I big, matter. I it, know Big Xan. It know. doesn't matter <laughs> who the person is. Uh, I know Lil Xan just survived a binge eating flaming hot Cheetos sit down. How how much how he, many Cheetos he, are we talking? Well, I don't know how many. Uh he revealed to his five million Instagram followers, quote, I was in the hospital, not due to any drugs, but I guess I ate too many hot Cheetos, and I guess it ripped something in my stomach. Hot oh. Cheetos are one hell of a drug. The dude uh, he, OD'd he burned on a hot hole. Cheetos. Like oh. in his stomach, pediatricians have been warning about the dangers oh of flaming hot Cheetos. Every year, dozens of children visit the emergency room with flaming hot intestines. <laughs> Spicy foods. Did you ever can- have flaming hot intestines? <laughs> yes, the Galuki heist. They had a just whole in Jordan whole buffet of those. Spicy foods cause ulcers, <laughs> gastritis, and inflamed. You know where's Bucky's. <laughs> yeah, Bucky. you got a flaming hot one. You got a flaming Buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Martha way, what did they give you for that? Just some a popsicle? <laughs> Take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> Dr. Martha Rivera said her experience of treating flaming hot Cheetos patients, she said, 
Quote, we have a youth population who loves to eat the hot, spicy, not real foods. It burns when it goes down. It burns when it comes out. Oh, no, thank you. There's a burn in your bucket. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fix it with these waffle fries. Duck, give you- I got a burning in my bucket. <laughs> oh, boy, do I ever. That, Been I, eating the flaming Hot Cheetos, Duck. W- what is in there? Like, what are the ingredients? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Do you have that handy? No, it sounded like it did, though. But uh, uh, I think that's a good question is all I, I meant. I feel like there are elements in there that you could probably clean your house with. That it makes you could my make a bomb en- enriched cornmeal, niacin, feel the burn. thiamine monotriate, feel the burn, riboflavin, <laughs> folic acid, vegetable oil, flaming hot seasoning, that's Flamin it. Flaming hot seasoning. I like how it's always, they never put the G on it. It's just, it always has the, apo- the apostrophe on the end. Flaming. Flaming hot. Flaming hot. Does it go on to say what, in parentheses, what the flaming hot Warning spices? may cause flaming hot buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor comes in. We've run all the tests. I'm afraid you have a flaming hot bucky. <laughs> Do you have a flaming bucky? <laughs> it's funnier when you say bucky. <laughs> Because it's like a nickname. <laughs> the doctor just comes in with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Bend over. Spread them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you should be okay. That white stuff will subside eventually. Firemen walk in. <laughs> uh, release date set for the second season of Making a Murderer. The crime series will be returning to Netflix on October 19th. It will continue to follow the convictions of Stephen Avery and his nephew Brendan Dassey in the 2005 murder of Risa Hallback. Yeah. Both men are serving life in prison and say they yeah. are innocent. Uh, the new season is 10 episodes. It'll look at the post-conviction process, the so appeal. Sad. Guys, I can't go through this again. I'm not. I just I can't I can't relive this. I'm not I'm not reading that or watching that one. There's no way. Poor Brendan. They could have made Brendan Dassey believe he did 9/11. Yeah. That, it, I know, don't know how How do we know he didn't? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how that kid is still in jail. I have no idea. Uh, And finally, Elton John will play PPG Paints Arena on October 10th. He's added another Pittsburgh show, November 13th. Oh, wow. That's great news. At PPG Paints Arena, tickets will go on sale October 19th at Ticketmaster Outlets. Great news. Tickets don't go on sale until October 19th? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a November 13th show. Yeah, but that's only three weeks lead time. I guess they're pretty confident it'll sell out. Would you believe me if I told you that Brendan Dassey survives in jail on only eating Flaming Hot Cheetos? (laughs) Well, I mean, it might be a preventative measure. It might keep things from going in there. Yeah, that's true. Oh, ring of fire. Yeah, that's a... Look. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Long Island. Public sale for tickets October 19th. I like Val's idea. That's a great defense mechanism. Uh, You know? I mean, because it's... I mean, if it's burning... Right. Uh, nobody wants to uh, dive into a volcano. <laughs> Ween first. Uh, showers and thunderstorms possible mid-70s for the high today at 68 at DVE. Mike Pursuta coming in next. Listen to what James Harrison had to say about what he thinks that Le'Veon Bell should do. This is on Undisputed with Skip Jackass. Like, looking at it now, I don't really think a trade will happen. I don't think somebody else would take that because they can't give him a new contract, and that's what he wants. Yeah. 
So I think the play for Le'Veon, if I'm Le'Veon, is I'm coming back, what is it, November 13th, and I'm going to go in there, I'm going to get my credit the season that I need to get, and I'm going to do the best I can to get out of that season healthy. What do you say? And for me, I'd give you everything oh. in practice. You would see, the cameras would see that I am fine, I am healthy, but come Saturday, something ain't right. I can't play on Sunday. Calm. DVE Sports. Well, first off, a big thanks to our friends at Legromandine for dropping off uh, some uh, Radiothon appreciation pastries for us this morning. I appreciate your support, as always. And uh, their stuff is amazing. Oh, my God. Incredible. I know they have a new location downtown on Forbes, like uh, just uh, uh, past Wood Street. It is really one of the best bakeries in the world. That might be the best pastry I've ever had in my life. it's insane. Do they sprinkle ecstasy on top of it, or how, well, how do they do that? Flaming hot Cheeto. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Adam Schefter just reporting, Mike. We're all going to have to stop enjoying the Vance McDonald stiff arm. Ah, oh, shut up. He's out for the year. No. Uh, Chris Connie, the guy who got rolled. Oh, is he hurt? Yeah, he was playing with a torn PCL Monday night, and he gutted it out and shouldn't have played, they said, quote, unquote. He will now be sidelined the the next six weeks, resting in injury he played with versus the Steelers. I don't feel bad for him. Whatever. You're healthy enough to play. You got rolled. (laughs) Ha-ha. Right? No one Is that the appropriate response, or am I supposed to feel bad? No. He he had been playing hurt. He was in and out of the game uh, the previous week against Philadelphia. Why, why would you not enjoy that stiff arm? Well, well, good hard football play. Like you say, Mike, if you're out there. You're out there. You're out there. Yeah. Val, did you think I was going to say Vance McDonald was out for the year? Yep. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say he got fined for it or something. But oh, no. That's usually not till today or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike Pursuit has your sports right now. we got Mark Madden coming up in about 10, 11 minutes or so. What's up? Sports is our brought to you by Citizens Bank. Uh, among the highlights from the Mike Tomlin press conference yesterday, which took place about 12 hours after the Steelers' 30-27 to survival in Tampa Bay, the uh, Steelers will continue to rotate Artie Burns, Cody Sensabaugh, and Cam Sutton at cornerback opposite Joe Hayden. Uh, they'll do that, Tomlin said, quote, until someone distinguishes themselves. You might say Artie Burns has distinguished himself already, and that's why they're in the mess that they're in. But uh, I think Tomlin was looking for a little more of a positive distinguishing than... He needs to be extinguished after being burned. Not uh, <laughs> not good. They were counting on Artie Burns, and maybe they still can at some point, but uh, this is a regression, a step back for the defense, which hasn't... Looked very good so far. Cam Hayward, uh, during his weekly appearance here on the morning show yesterday, talked about the Artie Burns saga. I, I really don't look at it like that. You know, the coaches make the decision like that. But I was happy as heck when he got that, when he caused that fumble. Um, you know, I know everything hasn't been going his way. It hasn't been perfect. But sometimes you just like to see the ball go the right way for, you know, someone that's been going through a lot. Um, you know, I'm sure I've had my hiccups. I'm sure I've had to take my lumps. Um, but it makes you a better player because of it. Um, you know, I know everybody's been tough on him. But, you know, when he's out there, you know, we're a better team uh, when he when he, when he he plays his best ball. 
Uh, and so, you know, we just got to keep stressing it to them. Um, understand that it's a long road to where we want to get to, and everybody's going to be a part of it. Yeah, a better team when he plays his best ball, which he has done infrequently this year. And uh, that is part of the problem. The other uh, notable nuggets from Mike Tomlin yesterday, Morgan Burnett, David DeCastro, and Marcus Gilbert all have a legitimate chance to participate Sunday night against Baltimore. Uh, Mike Tomlin also said that Chris Boswell is our kicker. He'll get it turned around. And uh, some props for Matt Filer and the job he did filling in for Marcus Gilbert against no Tampa doubt. Bay. That kind of went under the radar because of everything else that happened mm-hmm. in that game. But uh, Tom, that, He did a great job. Tomlin said Filer did a, quote, awesome job, unquote. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a credit to Mike Munchak as well because, uh, boy, they seem to – get by on the offensive line no matter what the configuration. They've got guys ready to go and at least compete and be credible when they lose starters. So they got that going for them. They're going to need it because they're going to need to score points. Mm -hmm. This just in. (laughs) A lot of teams are trying it that way. It's the way the game is trending. It's it's the rules. uh, The rules are seemingly designed to dictate that points be scored. So try try to outscore them. So when you wonder why they were trying to do a deal with Le'Veon and not just cut him before the season started and move on or trade him or whatever, they're trying to get prolific on that side of the ball. Yeah, which I think they still can be. And is James Conner Le'Veon Bell? No, he is not. But the drop-off should not be a deal-breaker for the Steelers' offense. Conner has really distinguished himself in the passing game in the early going this season. Uh, He can... there are people on the south side who believe he's a better route runner than Le'Veon Bell, and you saw the other night he can function in the two-minute situations, and uh, he can split them out and do the empty backfield stuff and do everything he did with Le'Veon Bell. They're fine there. Uh, I, they're fine. It's not the same. He doesn't have the same explosiveness after the catch that Le'Veon Bell has. And no, he can't. But, I, I but nobody does. Him, I know. But I'm, he can be productive. Yes, they, they it, can win with him. And you can pick up three, and you position. can pick up four. But the likelihood that he turns that into a twenty-five yard gain not as great as it is with Le'Veon. Who can? Well, yeah, a nice eighteen-yard uh, catch and run the other I, night in that two-minute drill. I, was, I'm just pointing out it's not the same. I think yeah. James Conner has done a remarkable job. And I, just, you know, um, this won't officially uh, turn a page. We won't be able to close the book on Bell until, you know, whatever happens uh, in terms of his exit from the Steelers. But I'm really bored talking about him now. I just want to know how it ends already. Yeah, probably a lot of people do. I I don't think they're going to be able to trade him for anything of significance. Uh, I don't know what kind of... The longer this goes on, I don't know don't know what kind of football shape he'll be in, what he'll be able to contribute this year. I don't care if he sits out the whole year at this point, and then they just move on next year and have 15 or so million to spend on other Why things. Why don't you just uh, rescind it right now and give the money to Earl Thomas or something? I think Earl's going to Kansas City, and Earl's under contract. So you have to pay out his contract, you're saying? Well, he's, he is a... I, I you have read, to trade it. I read something that there's a trade in the works from Seattle to Kansas City, but they can't just go sign Earl Thomas. He's signed by the Seahawks. No, yeah, you would he's have to a work a trade. Agent. Yeah. But I just meant pay for Earl Thomas. Yeah. Can't go shopping now. All the stores are closed. They'll open again in February or March. And that's when you'll have money to spend. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what we have of worth to send there. But I want to spend it now. <laughs> 
Pirates beat the Cubs six to nothing last night. Win number eighty on the season. Uh, Chris Archer six innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, and nine count them nine strikeouts. The last two starts for Archer have been what the Pirates envisioned all along when they traded for him. Pirates are eighty and seventy six. They are one game away from clinching a winning season with five to play. I did not see that coming. I didn't either. Uh, they are in that position because the Bucks game that was rained out against the Marlins on September the 9th and then rescheduled for October the 1st has now been canceled since the Pirates are out of the wild card picture. Major League Baseball smartly is not going to make the Marlins come all the way to Pittsburgh to play a game after the regular season ends for no reason. So the Bucks won't play 162. They'll only play 161. So if they get to 81, it's a winning season. Two more with the Cubs and then three in Cincinnati to close out the season. Penguins have a home game tonight against Buffalo. They will conclude the preseason Saturday at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's see the Pirates get a winning season. Me too. They already went over. Yeah, what I heard was that the over under seventy two or something? I, or? Somebody said seventy three and a half. I wasn't sure of that. <laughs> Sounds very right specific. In that, that neighborhood. The okay. pitching, Trevor Williams, Jamison Tyone has had a fantastic second half of the season. Chris Archer's got a boatload of potential. They got some arms, both starting and on the back end, and that's something you can work with. Be very curious to see what they do in the offseason. Flyers forward Yari Laterra is suspected to be a part of a huge Finnish cocaine ring. Is that what happened to Gritty? That's what. Uh, there's no way he's not involved. <laughs> Gritty is definitely involved in this. They trace it all the way the back to the uh, pirate parrot. One year left on his contract with the Flyers, five million dollars. Uh, the report says Latera is one of 23 suspects in the case. Two kilos of cocaine that was being dealt starting last January. It's a lot of cocaine. He's de- denied having committed a crime. Seven people are already in jail back in Finland. And the report says police expect the investigation to expand, and they've also seized $760,000 worth of jewelry and valuables in connection with the case. They raided Latera's cottage this summer as part of the investigation. He was not there at the time. Three goals, eight points with the Flyers last year. Wow. I think he'd have scored more. <laughs> he, he did off the ice. Um <laughs> Doesn't Gritty look like something that came out of a, a cocaine-fueled think yes. tank? <laughs> yeah. I think they were sitting around his cottage this past offseason. This looks good. <clears throat> it looks like one of the McDonald Land characters completely cracked out. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the dark end of Fraggle Rock that nobody went to. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, Jim Henson creation Mark Madden joins us when we return here on the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Randy Bauman, uh, joined by Mark Madden here this morning. I was told it would be Randy Bachman. You know, so you went and saw Randy Bachman last night. I did, night. last night at the Palace. How was the crowd? Uh, not as big as I'd expect for a guy I consider to be an underrated rock legend. They probably uh, thought it was me and stayed away in droves. Good, poss- <laughs> good possibility. Yes. Uh, but it was a br- brilliant show. Uh, you know, with the Heritage Acts, when a guy can go out there and just play all his hits back-to-back and you know every single song, that's pretty impressive. And that was the case with uh, Randy Bachman last night. Uh, what do you think is his best work? 
That's a tough call because in BTO, it was like that straight-ahead trucker rock style. Uh-huh. And the Guess Who work was more layered and subtle, I, I think, because of the partnership in songwriting with Burton Cummings. So uh, I prefer the Guess Who body of work, but I rock out more to the BTO songs. That was right in my wheelhouse, Randy. I was in seventh grade when uh, BTO's first big album you oh, know, kind of kind of caught fire. And it was in the 8-track on my school bus every day for three months. Yeah, I got a little uh, blue collar playing underneath you right now. He did manage to fit a little loungy jazz into yes. his oeuvre. Yes. Uh, looking out for number one. Oh, oh, looking out for number one. Yeah, another real like like jazzy, like loungy jazz Yeah, that jazz was more number. of a Guess Who song than, than you know, in, in terms of sound and structure than a BTO song. But I, I really like the show. I've, he does a storyteller thing where he talks about each song leading into the to performance of it. It's just brilliant. Why do you think Americans haven't given guess, the Guess Who in particular? I mean, BTO is what it is, but, you know, BTO is the government mule to the Allman Brothers that is the Guess Who. But why don't we give enough love to, to the Guess Who? Well, the Guess Who should be in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if that edifice meant anything, which it does not because it's just John Venner's playground, the Rolling Stone geek. So John Wenner. I don't put too much, however you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't put too much stock into it. But if, if there's a true Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Guess Who should have been in a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the Tragical Hip was another band that we kind of ignored for no real good reason down here. Other except than, they're Canadian. Except they're Canadian, which, I don't know. But I, You don't have headset on, but I got No Sugar Tonight going on underneath. It's their catalog. I mean, the amount of hits they had. Undone, Share the Land, no, Undone's a great song. These Eyes, American Woman, No Sugar Tonight, and New Mother Nature. You know, Clap for the Wolfman was a little novelty-ish. Well, that was Wolf. after Bachman left. That was uh, They became a little more up. Poppy novelty ish, like you said, after after Bachman left, and it was just Cummings. But uh, but uh, it, was Cummings uh, responsible for laughing? Also, was that post? He, he was in the band when they did laughing. Yes, but uh, it wasn't post uh, Bachman. Oh no no no! It was it was that was the Bachman Cummings. I, I think the only two hits that they had with with just Cummings were uh, were uh, share the land and. Uh, clap for the Wolfman. Yeah, this song, Laughing, it has a little bit of that, like, Elvis. No, no, no. The subtlety of the Guess Who was was just marvelous. And uh, again, I think they're one of the, if not the most overrated uh, rock band of all time. Overrated? I'm sorry, underrated. Yeah. This is an Elvis song. I mean, it sounds exactly like Elvis. Great, great. Like, uh, during the storytelling aspect of the... Uh, of the show last night, uh, he, he did a little bit where he says, "Look, in rock music, everybody steals from everybody, and uh, it's it's just the way it is. You know, if you don't get a letter from a lawyer, then then it's okay." And he pointed out, he started saying, "Look, one of my favorite TV shows is Law and Order," and then he played the riff from the Law and Order theme song, which segued nicely into the opening of No Time. It's almost the same riff. <laughs> He said he met Stephen Stills and said, you have no idea how much I stole from you. And Stephen Stills goes, oh, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this does make me feel like Law and Order. Well, every time I used to hear the uh, Tech Mobile video game song on the kickoff, it always sounded like Going Mobile by The Who to me. <laughs> That's a good call. I'm like, um, did James Harrison bust onto the stage at any point and tell Randy Bachman he should fake an injury? 
Uh, I'm <laughs> laughing at all the stuff I see on Twitter, which, by the way, becomes a bigger cesspool every day. That you love and can't live without. I'm gonna. I'm really trying hard to live mo- to live more without it. Anyway, uh, but I'm laughing at the outrage we have here with James Harrison having said that Le'Veon Bell should come to come to the Steelers practice but fake an injury. James Harrison has told us for years what he is. We just have refused to believe it. He's he's a domestic abuser. He's a bully. He's just a piece of trash. And and <laughs> well, he is. What would you call him, Randy? Uh, I wouldn't call him that year, for fear of him for fear of him beating me up. Yeah, whatever. I think he's uh I, I think he's more opportunistic than we ever gave him credit for. No, being. he's trying to stake his claim to the media. Yes, because he has you know other than the bully charisma, he has none. So he'd better well, think of something to, to stay. On the air. Because he knows that those guys, all the former players who go on, the number one thing that keeps them from having any longevity is willingness to call out anybody. Oh, like Jerome Bettis. That's why he didn't last. Exactly. And so he Heinz thinks... Ward, too. Well, if I go in... Well, Heinz had some other issues. But, I mean, if you go in the there... English language was a little drawback. If, <laughs> if you go in there and just start... Total, like, uh, you know, laying waste to, to everybody, you know, he's saying the things that people want to hear... And not worry about retribution from the dudes, you know, after the fact. Because Jerome would talk about that. He'd say, "Look, I I know these guys. I I can't s- sell them out like this." James Harrison won't do that. He could actually go on to have a career if he wants to do it, and that would annoy me more than anything. I don't think. I honestly, I don't think he's well spoken enough. And like I said, he has that reverse charisma, but that's all the charisma he has. To me, it just reverse comes charisma. off as bitter. Like it, you know, the way that it ended here for him. It just comes off as sour grapes. Every single one of James Harrison's truth. problems have always been of his own making. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. I uh, said earlier to Merrill Hodge that lost in all of the celebration in the Steelers uh, win in Miami, or I'm sorry, in Tampa on Monday night, was the fact that you know the defense was so bad we could not talk about that, and they blew the big <laughs> lead. Like all the things that are still bad with the Steelers still seem to lead, you know, with the victory. But the fact is, number seven had a game for the ages. Uh, yeah, he was brilliant, and he's yeah. the most important player on their team, and nobody else is even close. And uh, I think he 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 won that game. I don't want to say single handedly, but Bell's not there. Brown has been somehow, I don't want to say minimized, but not the factory he, he, we're used to him being. And Ben was absolutely tremendous. Yes, he did was. It on, did it on the road too, which right that was that was home happen. Ben. Home Ben went on the road. Now, and you know he, he might be. Uh, I'm interested to see what Mike has to say about this. I consider Ben the greatest Steeler quarterback ever and the second best Steeler ever, behind only Mean Joe Green. Antonio Brown got a touchdown, so he's happy. I and, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Although, 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 you know how nobody outpeaches the hut, nobody outstats a b. <laughs> and I expect him to kick Juju through the barbershop window at some point. Boy, he's drinking his milkshake, isn't he? Who's that, Juju? Yeah. He's doing great. Does that make you mad because you hate Juju? No, I don't hate Juju at all. I've, and I've never said he's a, a lesser player. You just hate how lit he is. <laughs> I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> <laughs> you wish he was dark? I don't see why you have to dance, like, constantly. Uh, Google Jim Braun and see what he says about African-American athletes uh, dancing. Oh yeah, because Jim Brown is uh, like uh, really a man of such great character. You just completely eviscerated James Harrison for the same stuff that that uh, Jim Brown is. Well, guilty no, of. that doesn't mean that Jim Brown's opinion on this matter isn't right. For that matter, it doesn't mean that James Harrison's opinion <laughs> okay. on a lot of then things. Then let's wait by what we said earlier. Maybe he's got well, it. Well, no, no, he's opi- got it exactly opinions right. Opinions and facts aren't necessarily colored by character. Facts aren't. Yeah, right. That's different. 
And it's a fact I can't stand all that dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't watch Dancing with the Stars? No. No? No. What if Mario did it? He won't. What if he did? <laughs> he won't. But he if he won't. did? He won't. What if Sid did it? Nope. What won't. if the guy from UFO did Dancing with the Stars? He can barely walk. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'd watch. No, I would not. You would love to see Michael Shanker dancing. What if oh, no, Rick- he might. He's he's the- oh, Well, he's like the rogue UFOer, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's with MSG. Uh, Phil Mogg. You know, the next, last UFO tour is next year. The last one ever. And <laughs> yeah. I, and I, no, I think it really is. I, I can't believe they all haven't been. What about Ric Flair? What if he was on... Uh- Dancing with I the would stars. watch yes. Yeah. Can he move? Woo! You would watch. Did you go to his wedding? Were you invited? Uh in middle of the week. I mean, I got all this. Were you invited? Uh, no. Oh, I wanted you to say yes. I, I was a little Were you a little upset you didn't get invited to Ric Flair's wedding? Uh, not not really. I, I mean it was kind of a wrestling wedding and I'm not in that orbit anymore. No? No. Did Katie O'Malley show up and <laughs> Fight him in the middle of the wedding ceremony? <laughs> well, if, if I would have got invited, I would have taken her as my plus one. Absolutely. <laughs> and then not show. Like, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but but like I said, it was like it was like a wrestling wedding. I mean, Dolph Ziggler, who's currently in WWE, like walked the bride down the aisle. I have no idea what connection there is there. It just let's get a wrestler to walk her down the aisle. I'll tell you, Sunday I was uh I was doing rehearsal for the Ramble in in uh on Butler Street there, and they had wrestling out on the streets in Lawrenceville on Sunday afternoon. I picture them saying, like, as soon as, right before they get married, they go, if anybody has any reason why these two should not be married, the Undertaker sits up in the back. <laughs> she was Bong. there. He was there, Bong. yeah. Mean Gene Okerlund <laughs> interviews him. What's wrong? Well, it's like every wedding in wrestling always failed. Like, somebody always, you know, spoke up at the forever hold your peace part, so. <laughs> no, <laughs> brother. How about Hulk was there at the game on Monday night? Of course he was, dude. There were cameras there. <laughs> James Conner, dude. I know. I saw a picture of him next to him. Like, he's standing next to an African-American guy, and I was just thinking, SOB. like, oh. <laughs> that's got to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah. That's one tough N-word right there. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, Hulk, you can't be this racist. No, brother. Hulk, I, like, I, li- I like Hulk. He's a dummy, but I like him. The accidental racist? <laughs> no, it wasn't accidental. <laughs> he was. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how no, well enough it was to know what he really thinks. Uh, not accidental. Because wasn't it just, wasn't it voice he didn't, messages? He didn't know that his friend was going to release the video of him sleeping with his friend's wife where he used r- racial epithets. Wasn't he on somebody's voicemail that was trying to date his daughter? Uh, wasn't there that audio as well? No, okay. I don't think so. Maybe I have that mixed up. I don't know. Well, don't forget he body slammed the giant brother. He was great in How the Andre. How did lift him up? Documentary. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought his. Well, that was his effort. Like he put Andre over and was very gracious. That was his effort to get back in WWE's good graces. Oh. Which, which I think, which you know, they reinstated him to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if they're going to use him for any appearance or anything like that. Uh, the African American contingent among WWE performers was not happy about. How could they be? Well, well he, when, when Hulk Hulk apologized the dressing room when he got reinstated, and he basically said, "I'm sorry, I got caught." Oh well, that's not an apology. Yeah, that's what some of them noted. No fooling them, but yeah. but uh, you know I don't know. It's it's I don't necessarily think that somebody saying something even ridiculously heinous and stupid should should ruin their life or color their career indefinitely. I think there's a penis to be paid certainly, but but I'll give you an example. Tiger Woods, you know, serial whoremonger, serial adulterer, had addiction issues, and America has never stopped embracing him to their bosom. To meanwhile, Louis C.K.'s career is is over. 
Because completely he did something different. Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's or, completely different. What are you talking so. about? I, I think that I one th- is consensual. What about what about Roseanne? That's different altogether as well. The, yeah. You know, they're lumped into. Just, you're lumping just, together action based think, on just the we, punishment. I think we pick our spots based on who we predeterminedly liked. I think that's the point I'm making here. You're right. The Louis C.K. thing's worse, but uh, but uh, it, it's just I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't think one act should ruin somebody's career unless it's a, a jailable offense. Like for example, yeah, Bill Cosby. I, I'm also allowed to think that somebody has horrible positions and ideologies and uh, you know. Uh, opinions on things and also admire their work. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of where that line stops. But what about when it stops their work? What yeah, about when it ends it, their then, career? You know, I agree with the one thing Norm Macdonald said that I agree with is the audience should dictate that. And when Bill Cosby tried to do a show here, in the midst of everything that was going on, well, nobody, that's pretty tone deaf. Nobody, nobody bought tickets, and he's already blind. I think it's great that Monday He's Night Football. Blind. I think it's great that Monday Night Football gave the color commentary job to Mushmouth from the Cosby Gang. God, was he terrible! He's the worst color analyst ever. And on my show yesterday, I, I actually imitated Mushmouth, which I can't do unless I read the the verbiage. And I, yeah, sorry to miss the out new on Fat Albert episodes. Admittedly, are going to be much darker. Don't sorry, you think? sorry to miss out on that. The yeah. Mushmouth impersonation. <laughs> yeah, but, but of course, I, but of course, I got the usual tweets. Oh, you're racist. Well, you are. But and I'm like, so here's no, the thing. no, I'm absolutely not. And and like, and, Jay, and I said, Jason Witten's white gang. I mean, it just yeah. And you, you still figured out a way to make that racist. I am not at all racist. <laughs> no, I, I don't. No, seriously. That, I'm just kidding you. But, but, Look, that, Jason Witten is terrible on this. We agree. Oh, He's so awful. But that Tessator guy, whatever, who was doing play-by-play. What happened to Monday, Monday Night Football being the premier stage for the NFL? They put a bunch of first-year guys on there. Yeah. What well, are they doing? JV. But it's not the premier stage anymore. I like Booger. I th- yeah, I like yeah. Booger McFarland. I think he has great insight. Number one, he's not the best broadcaster, and, and he has, but he has, a, like fo- he has a folksy barbershoppy feel to him. Yes. I really yeah. like his delivery. I think and he, I like the and fact he has charisma. And he's named Booger, and people just call him that unironically the whole game. They're like, "Look, Booger <laughs> has a point." I mean, Mark, wouldn't you agree? They that, kept that, calling him Boog. He's like, hey, you know, Boog has got a point. Booger, Booger is the most famous Booger since the original Booger. Don't you think? From uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. This, I'd say he's, well, has he surpassed Booger? No. Booger has not surpassed Booger. You don't think it's close? The original Booger is, I mean, a generation of people have grown up with that Booger. This Booger has, it may grow on us. I but think there not, has to be a battle of the Boogers. I mean, there can only be one. Curtis Armstrong. Booger Knights. <laughs> Curtis Armstrong is definitely Booger the most Knights. famous Booger of all time. Yeah, I can't argue. But I just loved when they'd be like, you know, Booger has a point. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that. That's good, good analysis there, Boog. <laughs> Thanks, I want Booger. Booger's crane for I, every game. Yeah, the that Booger I go crane to. is pretty cool. <laughs> no, you know, again, I, did I, that, Randy Bachman play Booger crane last night? He did not. <laughs> oh. uh, I Tessator's okay. Yeah. Witten's incompetent. Little. Lisa Salters is useless. Like every I single sideline reporter in history, male or female, that is a horrible, thankless it's, job. They don't get any information really uh, that, that they couldn't just deliver from the booth. Amazingly, when the Tampa Bay coach was getting crap kicked at halftime, he didn't offer great insight mm-hmm. when, when confronted <laughs> with the microphone. Conversely, I like when Wolf does it on the on the Steeler broadcast because he's actually getting good stuff. Actually, and, and Wolf's well, Wolf has the trust of being a former player right. with that team. Yes, and hit, Wolf's delivery is tremendous. He's as well. awesome. He's, he, he's very booger esque. He's our booger. He, he's right. He's the white booger. 
<laughs> I love that show. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.